Oh, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to podcast you. Really, really bad. Just great. Better than him. Yep. Better than the real thing. I've always said I should have been in the running. Even better than the real thing. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Griffin Joker Newman. (laughs) I'm David Enchantress Sims. (laughs) And with us, as always, is a man who goes by many names. Some people call him Producer Ben. Other people call him Slipknot. Mm-hmm. They call him Killer Croc. Mm-hmm. They call him El Diablo. They call El him Diablo. Captain Boomerang. Sure. They call him Rick Flag. They call him Amanda the Wall Wall. Who calls him Rick Flag? Everyone calls him Rick Flag. <laughs> Fools walking down the street can't stop yelling out, "Yo, Rick!" I don't appreciate it. No. Don't call me Rick Flag. Do not call him Rick Flag. And let me say this: He is not Katana. <laughs> no. He is Professor Crispy. <laughs> Is he Griggs? Who's Griggs? Ike Barinholtz. Oh, yeah, he's Griggs. <laughs> is he GQ Edwards? Yeah. Scott Eastwood's character. Yeah. And, of course, he's uh, our own uh, Harley Ben. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hosley Quinn? <laughs> Hosley Quinn? Hosley Quinn's okay. Uh, All right. Hello, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Hosley. Here in yes. the room with the two friends. Now, the room where is, it happens. You're, you're here. You're refreshing your podcast page. What? I thought this was an Elizabethtown episode. What the what? Look, desperate times. We, uh, fucking, we all, we had a meeting. We we dialed up the red phone. Mm-hmm. We came to the Oval Office here at the UCB studios at three o'clock in the morning. And we said, we must record Suicide Pod. Correct. This podcast is called Blank Check. It's usually filmographies. We go through directors who have had early success. And then uh, the way they cash in those checks that Hollywood yeah, gives them. That's the true, whatever. But sometimes something comes up. And God, we'd be foolish if we didn't talk about this movie within its four days of relevancy. <laughs> That's the thing. Yes. That's the thing. Yes. No one's going to be talking about Suicide Squad nope. two weeks from now. We're going to all have Pete's Dragon Fever. <laughs> We're going to be Florence Foster Jenkinsing <laughs> all over town. All the Kubros are going to be out there, you know? The people who are fans of Kubo and the Two Strings. I, I hear it's good. I hear it's a low-key charmer. I haven't seen it yet. Leica has yet to fail so far. Yeah. Um, but today we're talking about the 2016 David Iyer motion picture, Suicide Squad. Now, I saw this movie at a press screening. Yeah, we're recording right uh, right now on Friday, the day that the film it's technically out. came it's out. out. It's out. Yeah. It's out there. People are all suiciding all over town. You saw it this Monday? Is I that saw correct? it this Monday at a press screening, and, uh, you know, I think I didn't think it was going to be great, but I didn't think it was going to be what it was. Uh-huh. And I came out of there, and we were recording a podcast a little while later, and I said, guys, we got to talk about this movie. So we're going to talk about the movie. Yeah, because, okay. Great I've story, seen, right? Yes. I've seen some people <laughs> online accusing us of avoiding Elizabethtown. They go, oh, Denim Invasion, Suicide Squad, you're just pushing off the inevitable. Elizabethtown is in the can, Yeah, we baby. talked about it weeks ago. We got I was it. mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he hated it. We, 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 got, we bought a zoo already. Like, this is, we're just, we're... You know, pushing this in because we need to get it out there. But don't worry. Elizabethtown's coming next Monday no matter what. No matter what. 
I wonder if there would be what would what would cause us such another pod emergency if the Maybe, cloud collapsed. <laughs> okay, that would be bad. Right? I think Florence Foster Jenkins went surprised. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I keep forgetting. Oh, you're saying if we saw another thing in the next week that we had to talk about first? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If there was just something that blew our minds that bad. Yeah, FFJ might do that. Florence Podster Gencast. Do you even know what we're talking about, Florence Mr. Ben Hosley? Podster no Gencast. Uh, it is a movie where Meryl Streep plays a lady, a real life person who's based on a true story, true much story like Suicide per- Squad. <laughs> who that was? Oh, based who, on true. Story. Wow. Who was famously uh, bad at singing opera, mm. but got to sing an opera? She's very wealthy, and her husband was very well connected, and he supported her in her dream of being an opera singer despite the fact that she was objectively horrible. And then she became, he would like rent out venues for her and she sort of became this cultural phenomenon that people would go to see. Like she was like the original room. You know, she was like the room. I mean, that sounds like a great underdog story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, someone bought her way all the way to (laughs) Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Yeah. It shows you that the little person can can make it in this world. Yeah. Uh, But I don't like the little guy. No. No, you like the big guy. That's true. Yeah, you do like the big guy. Yeah. Were there any big enough guys? There was a pretty big guy. Oh, there we'll was a big guy. We'll talk about the big we'll guy. We'll talk about the big guy. Okay, so David saw it when we were a uh, game radio recorder. We bought a zoo episode. He came in and it was explaining to us how bad it was. I said, I can't see it being as, like, and I'd read the reviews. The reviews are cracked at that point. And I was like, see, I look at the trailer and it doesn't look that exciting to me. But I can't see it being a calamity to the degree no. that you're explaining. The stakes seem so much lower, too. Yes, you know, you 100%. got a Batman versus Superman that, you know, you got two very well-known characters. You're having them, you know, like, you got a lot You got a lot to do there. This aside is like a bunch Joker, of people who gives a shit Aside about from the Joker and Harley Quinn, Joker. you're dealing with characters that, like, no one's going to be upset if you fuck them up in the same way. And they haven't really been depicted that much popularly, you know? So it's like, you know. I mean, there's some hardcore fans who are going to be invested in Harley Quinn or whoever. But, like, you know, I mean, you know. Yeah, Joker and Harley Quinn are the main two. And the other two, it's a Captain Boomerang. Most people, you know, they they don't know from Captain Boomerang. Yeah, there's so many jokes one could make. But uh, the main thing to say about Captain Boomerang is no one's ever heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you said that to us. Ben and I went. I guess we got to see this thing. We went uh, last night. At the time we were recording this, we're like... You know, 14 hours off the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw it with the the three hosts of Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Great podcast, great friends. Yes. Two of them have appeared on this podcast. We'll get the third one. Yeah, we'll Milligan. Get him. We'll get him we'll at get some him. point. Uh, we need to find a movie that he wants yeah, to no, talk there about. There just needs to be. It'll, yes. It'll, it'll, it'll happen. Uh, but we saw it with the three of them. So it was, you know, five dudes who on a weekly basis... Uh, yell about movies on true, a podcast. True, seeing this movie together, which is a pretty good and, experience. And 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 three of whom, and I'm probably going to lump you in here. Yeah. are really invested in Will Smith's career. Yeah, you can lump four, me in. Four there. people. Four. Are you invested? How do you feel about Will Smith's career, Ben? Uh, yeah, right. So four, four. You, you like Will Smith, but you don't you keep like yourself him, but you don't. up at night worrying about his next choice. I do not. I think the four of us do. I think yeah, Rod, James, right. John, and I. Oh, all three of them have J names. It took me that long to realize. It took that. you that long to realize yeah, that they're wow. J. John Jameson. Um. Okay, so we we all have now seen the film Suicide Squad. Correct. Uh, where do I start? Uh, did not like, would not watch again. <laughs> right, F. 
Yeah, F minus. F minus. Uh, Bad. But we're not just here to pile up on it because this, you know, in the same way, our, our it would be easy to. It would be very easy to, and we, you know, we're gonna take some some doo doos on on certain elements of the film. But I think yeah, the most the, elements. The reason we're so fascinated by this and that we want to talk about it, even though it doesn't really fit into the narrative of what our show usually is, mm-hmm. same reason we want to do this, you know, that lost emergency episode for BVS, BVS, uh, DOJ, uh, in 4DX. Uh, <laughs> is because uh, there's never really been anything like the way Warner Brothers is going about trying to construct this DC universe, cinematic universe. Right. And how much they are failing every single step of the way. Right. That it's kind of like the most uh, high-profile, high-budget, years-long calamity that has ever happened in the film industry, I would say. It it could prove to, like, I mean... They make money, at least, these, these, these movies. They don't make enough, perhaps, but they, they at least probably earn their money back. I mean, I think, like, barely. I mean, you know, they, the thing they threw out for uh, Batman versus Superman was it needed to hit uh, $850 million it, to break even. It did. I mean, the thing, the new, I wrote about this for yeah. The Atlantic this week. I write for TheAtlantic.com. Um... The new margin for these things is a billion dollars. That's like kind of a nice, uh, big profitable mark you want to hit. But what's insane is with these DC movies, it's not even like, oh, that's that's where we get a big profit. It's like that's the point where you get any sort of substantial profit. Yeah. At eight hundred and fifty, they're like cutting their losses. You know, at like nine hundred, they'd be like, okay, we're not sweating it. And at a billion, they're like, okay, we made some money. Well, it takes a billion to make some money for these movies. The movies tend to cost. I've, as I've been looking into this, you know, they cost about three hundred and fifty to four hundred million dollars to make and market. Right. And a studio, you know, you can go by the rule of thumb that they take about half of the money a movie makes. Yes. In so China, a, which is now the second biggest market, they only get twenty five percent. Yeah, because uh, that Chinese government. But this movie may not even be coming out in China. I think this movie was uh, banned. China doesn't like suicide. I heard that they're not they don't approving like suicide. The movie. They don't like ghosts. Yes. So Ghostbusters, Crimson Peak, a lot of movies yeah. don't get to make it into the Chinese market. Uh, yeah. I read that Warner Brothers changed the this title. It kind of has a ghost, too. I mean, Enchantress is sort of ghosty. Yeah, and they got a ghost sword. And a ghost sword, sword with a ghost. Yeah. That. Yeah, anyway. Whether whether you'd even pick up on that watching the movie without paying close attention, I don't know. But. I don't know. It'd be tough to pick up on the scene where he goes, this is Katana. Her sword captures souls when she cuts them. Inside the sword is the soul of her dead husband. You might be wondering why she's talking to her sword. <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Katana in this movie is kind of just the bowler from Mystery Men. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> Mystery Men. Good movie. That's a good movie. Good movie. Um, no, but what I was going to say was, uh, uh, oh, I read today that in submitting the film to the Chinese board, mm-hmm. uh, film board, uh, Warner Brothers changed the title because they were like, Suicide Squad's never going to no fly. Go. That's a no-go. So right. they're calling it X question mark, question mark, question mark. X question mark, three question marks. I swear to God. Because right. in the film, the technical name for Suicide Squad like, is Task Force yeah, X. Yeah, Task Force X. And they're calling it X? Even Task Force X would be a better title. Yeah. But it's X. So a little. Yeah. So as we're as we've been saying. Yeah. You've got this Marvel movie franchise. Right. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. It's doing very well for itself. It hums uh-huh. along, spitting out a couple movies a year. Yeah. They do well. Uh, they tend to be well liked by critics. Yes. You know, there's a spectrum there, but they tend to be pretty, you know, get a th- pretty hearty thumbs up. 
Uh, so then they make the Man of Steel. Yeah. With Zack Snyder, Superman. Do- doesn't do that well. Well, an important thing to throw out is DC at the time that Marvel was like clocking away, even when, when not Marvel Studios, but just Marvel was licensing out to other studios and all those films were doing well, DC only succeeds in getting off the ground the three Nolan Batman movies, right? Yeah. And those are great, but Nolan is an artist, sure. you know, and he's very controlling over his property, and he didn't want other heroes coming into it. No. So that wasn't going to happen. Right. They try to do the one-off with Green Lantern, which was them very much trying to do like an old Marvel movie where it's sure. just here's one hero and he's his own hero. thing. He it's an origin an story. Right. Didn't work. No. But But they were going by the formula that was tested. Yeah. They just how, failed at it. How did his lantern turn green? It was always green. Man. It's, that's not what, what do you think Green Lantern's about? That's the color of um of will or of hope? hope or whatever. It's, it's like uh, imagination. I don't, I'm not very good on Green Lantern. Yeah. The concept of the movie is that he gets a Green Lantern, not that he's a guy with a lantern that magically turns green. That's what I always thought. <laughs> so you think he's just like, he has a lantern. He's yeah. just a regular he lantern a, man. He's a lantern man. Yeah. Just yeah. a guy with a lantern. Day, <laughs> his lantern, lantern turned green. <laughs> I swear, I always thought that. No, no. The, the concept of Green Lantern is an alien lands in his backyard and goes, Hey, you want a present? Here is a green lantern. Plug uh, this ring into it, and ooh. Huh. He's given the lantern pre-greened. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, okay. I'm glad we clarified. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, but you know, they make Man of Steel. It's not yeah. a critical success. It doesn't make a ton of money, but, but for was, whatever so reason, Dark Knight they Rises, decide. Yeah, but that was the thing. Dark Knight Rises ended, and they were like, okay, now we get into it. Now we're going to do the other ones. Oh, and they'd also tried to do Superman Returns, and that, it, we both agree, that's is a, a very underrated movie. But that's in the middle of the Nolan yeah. But when Man of Steel was set up, it wasn't clear at the point at that point that they were going to do an interconnected universe. No, no. There were some like you know little droppings, but it was like that's very much a standalone movie with some odd references to other characters. Um. So that's right. But they decide financial sort of success and critical sort of success. You know, be damned. We're going in on this. Well, that was by Snyder. All, by all accounts, they were already sort of prepping and breaking. They were going to make a Superman sequel, Man of Steel two. Right, right. And the movie comes out early or late June. Yeah. By the time Comic Con happens, which is a month later, the response to the film has been pretty mixed at best. Right. Yeah. And it did well, but not like but insanely nonetheless, well. People are like, well, look, you know, it's a franchise era, and they're going to make another one. I heard that they had the Hail Mary Pass idea to do Batman versus Superman right. five days before Comic Con because they, they wanted to announce it there and get everyone pumped up. What were you going to say? Well, yeah, it was 2013. Yeah, it was uh, a simpler time. And the all they did at Comic Con, apart from I guess talk about Man of Steel, was Zack Snyder was like, and by the way, click. And they just play a video that was just the Superman logo and the Batman logo. And he was like, we can't talk about anything else right now because it's still early stages. And the early stages was like, in the last 100 hours, we've decided this is what we're doing. Right. Um, And then Batman vs. Superman comes out. And we talked about it. And you can listen to snippets of that conversation <laughs> yes, yes. in a past episode that yeah. were recovered from a mangled core a by our episode. great producer. It's a lost episode, but it's... A little bit out there. Uh-huh. We have our thoughts on that, but let's move past that. Yeah. Um, but then they also, on the schedule, when they planned out this mm-hmm. Batman version, they, they put Suicide Squad on the schedule. Very early on, which was surprising. Very early. They were like, and you know what we're also going to have is a Suicide Squad. And everyone was like, Suicide Squad? You're leading with that? Curveball. Yeah. Curveball? Because already DC was eschewing the trend, uh, or you know, at least the format that Marvel had set up of like, 
You're going to set up each of the characters in their standalone movie, and then you get to the Avengers, you know? Yeah. All in due time. Like, long game, sort of, like, patient play. Marvel was very careful after, I would say, an early misstep in Iron Man 2. Yes. Where it seemed like, you know, they were just kind of messing with the movie to kind of set things up. And then they were like, okay, well, like, you know, there'll be Thor, and there'll be Captain America. You know, you're going to get to know everybody. And then we'll do it in Avengers, and then they're all going to be there. But let's also say, like, that was probably the biggest gamble in the Big history gamble. of filmmaking. We talked about it on the BVS episode. Yeah, because Marvel game. went out on their own, went to Merrill Lynch. Yeah, we've talked about this. Got a $2 billion loan to self-finance their own movies. And, and if they had failed, if the movies had failed or even, like, three of the five had failed. We talked about this exact did, thing. Did it make the Lost Cut episode, yeah, though? Yeah, I, I think okay. it did. Okay, I don't know if it made it. I just think it's insane to point out that if those movies had failed or even a couple of them had failed and they had lost money, those characters would have defaulted to Merrill Lynch. Right. That was the nature of the deal was Merrill Lynch would have gotten control of Iron Man, Hulk. All that stuff. Right, which is insane. They took a big risk and it paid off, like, hugely, Right. And you get to the Avengers, and it's like, well, now we don't have to set up each character separately, which right. really ties into what we're talking about here today. Indeed. You can just make a movie where you hit the ground running, and it's just about what's There's it Thor. like if these characters are together. We know who they are individually. What's the movie about them being together? So, but they put this on the schedule, and according to uh, recent reporting, which you can read in The Hollywood Reporter, uh-huh. uh, David Ayer, mm-hmm. who had directed, like, End of Watch, he directed the, the war movie Fury. What else I thought it was called done? Furry. Uh, he did uh, Street Kings. He did Street Kings a while back. Not not great. Did nope. he do Harsh Times? He did Harsh Times as well. Uh, so he's and kind of- sab- Sabotage. Oh, yeah, that films. movie is fucking weird. Yeah, he's a weird filmmaker. But he mostly does these very gritty, very male He started out as- films. He wrote, he wrote uh, Training, Training Day, Day, which was his he big wrote, thing. He wrote The Fast and the Furious, my friend. Yes. He was um, one of the writers on the yeah, original Fast and the Furious. Yes, he, yes. He was kind of like- He wrote Dark Blue. He wrote SWAT. He wrote these sort of like gritty crime dramas- very like street level LA set stuff. He's ex military. Yeah. He's very into sort of machismo loves weaponry and guns. It loves loves guns. guns. Dude, fucking loves guns. Now, but he's not. I he's not my favorite filmmaker. He's not mine either. But I find him to be a very interesting. Some filmmaker. movies he's made yeah. have have been at least interesting. Others, they, like he he has a sense, a visual sense at I, least. I am interested by the films of his that I don't he like. Kind of grosses me out a little bit. But he does too. But it's an interesting voice, you know, and it's, he's a particular voice. He's tapped as the writer director, and he has six weeks. To write the script, yeah, because they are so strapped for time because they, they want to catch up on the schedule. So that's that's problem A, which maybe that's not great. But Give also, them a little time, especially as complicated a movie as this. Creatively, for the sake of your larger universe, maybe don't put Suicide Squad before you know Wonder Woman and the Flash and Justice League. Like, there's this whole thing about this movie exists to try to subvert the formula, right? And like and when Guardians like the of the Galaxy, even exist yet. So, which well, I, not that the films are too similar, right? But the idea that Guardians of the no, Galaxy they are. Well, they Guardians of the Galaxy also had the marketing hook of like these are the worst, you know, mm-hmm. like these are the worst heroes we got. This is a ragtag group that shouldn't sure. even be together, and that was like the tenth Marvel movie at that point. Yeah, it was, that was when they did their curveball, right? Essentially, so we already like had a formula established to subvert. Suicide Squad is subverting something that hasn't been established yet. Right. And it's also making a movie about like how crazy is it these villains have to be the good guys when we haven't even seen them be bad guys yet. That's the other problem. Which is such is a fundamentally the flawed movie concept. movie keeps having to be like, they're the bad guys. But to These have this guys, be the third film bad. in your universe is insane. And they don't even seem that bad because, we're, yeah, like you said, they're just they're just sort of rude. They're all rude. And they also all like have like tragic backstories that make it clear why they do what they want to do, you sure, know, or sure. do what they have Not to Captain do. Not Captain Boomerang, yeah. though. 
Hey, he's pretty tragic. He loves unicorns too much. What's that? I don't know. <sighs> All right. The unicorn thing bugged me because they obviously thought they were being cute, but they it doesn't matter. Um, they were trying to get directors to come in with interesting takes on DC properties. Apparently, David Ayer came in, had an idea for Suicide Squad. They liked it. They were like, great, let's put sure, it on the he schedule. he gave them this pitch. They put it on the schedule. And also, I don't think they were near being ready for Wonder Woman. To no. Be, you know, so they, they wanted another movie this year. Yeah. You know, they wanted a second DC movie in 2016, Suicide Squad. How are they coming up with the schedule? I imagine them it's, in a boardroom throwing darts. I think so. Well, it's this weird thing where it's I, like... Ben, I think so. Well, it's a lot like, <laughs> can we do like June 6, 2017? Ah, Marvel's already got something there. You know, it's a lot of like yeah. planting flags That's and then the maybe moving thing. flags around and then, you know, filling those gaps up. Or but like, it sounds like a lot more effort went into that. Than and making then, the films? Yeah. Than writing them at the very yeah, least. And the certainly. production seemed difficult, but the writing seems to be very quick. No, there is this thing now where it's like there's like squatters rights where like all these studios like, okay, Disney knows they're going to be making a Star Wars movie every year for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So they've just planned their flag and been like, we have December 21st or thereabouts sure. every year from here on out. Marvel knows they're making at least two movies a year. So Marvel has similarly staked out the dates. Right. But Marvel's not, like, putting the cart before the horse. They're just like, we're going to hold this table, and we'll put something there. Right. We have a lot of movies we're developing. We'll figure out what we put there later. But they have dates into, like, 2021, right? They do. And animation, they do that with, too, because those films take a while to make. But DC was literally just like, okay, we have no films in pre-production. Let's map out dates for the next eight years and then come up with films to fill them in. Oh, good. You know? That's a smart way because to go about Because they just, that. like, they're, like, you know, yeah. a, a couple really coveted dates to launch, like, a big blockbuster, and they wanted to just get some of them. Sure. Um, but Suicide Squad got, like, pushed up way early in the production pipeline. So he had little time to make it. Yeah. And then he made it. Yeah. He gets this big cast for it. Little time to write it. Little time to write it. Then yeah. he made it. Yeah. And just, I'm just going to really very rapidly recap the supposedly torture production reported by The Hollywood Reporter and other sources. Yes. He made it, and uh, they didn't love his cut. They thought it was a little grim. Yeah. And then there was this trailer that, like, a trailer company made that was, like, all wacky with, like, Queen on the soundtrack. And they had, and, you like, know, hot topic, like, yeah, clashing visuals. Glow, yeah, like, tattoos and stuff. And they were like, ooh, we like this. And because so went, people liked that trailer. They were like, that looks fun. Unlike sure, Batman vs. Right. Superman, which was so dour. Well, this is the other thing. I think Warner's maybe getting a little nervous about how grim Batman vs. Superman was, how long that movie was. Yes. So they go to the trailer company and say, why don't you make us a cut that's maybe a little more peppy? And they test Ayers and the trailer company's cut simultaneously against audiences. The trailer cut wins. And Which so, is insane. By all accounts, this very is the unusual first time in, in history in, in Hollywood they've asked a like marketing that. company to but, recut a movie to make it more like the marketing. But they uh, reportedly they keep air around. You know, they're always abiding by DGA rules. They're making sure he's he's the director. He's, yeah. You know, and he goes along with it, maybe because he wants to make a Suicide Squad too. I have no idea. Like you know, he's already whatever. got his next movie set up at Netflix with a hundred million dollar budget true, which with Will Smith. Crazy. Yeah. Um. So. And like so, a lot, but a lot of the battles the studio won. So the yes. studio wants exposition leading with all these like crazy fun visuals, you know. So that's in there. Yeah, like a lot of stuff. It's like, like file that. card, sort of like flash card, kind of like quick stat. Yeah, info. like you know, Killer Croc is a crocodile, loves to eat fish. He likes BET. Blah blah blah. But you can know, I say like, something? Those quick flashes. Wiggles. Are, <laughs> wiggles. Yeah. Those quick flashes are so quick. I couldn't read all. The no, shit. you no no. You pick up maybe one little joke in the. They have maybe. like forty things written on each still frame. <laughs> 
Well, that it's doing that like more is more, right? Just right. like overload, overload, and so that, and then it's also this wasn't specific in the in the, but it's also pretty obvious that they were like, let's file this down as short as we can. Which yes, it, it shows it's it's a little incoherent. And they did a before. lot of reshoots. I don't know where they, the they reshoots did some reshoots. Were. We don't know. The movie feels ramshackle, but it isn't like I mean, because the rumor at the time was like, oh, they're gonna add in more jokes. The movie doesn't have any jokes, so it doesn't feel like they added in a couple funny scenes. I don't know where the, the reshoots were. I, the scenes that I've been hearing chatter about uh, that stink of reshoots are like the bar scenes, which is probably the best scene in the movie by default. Whatever. I wasn't a fan of that scene, but I guess I'm not a fan of any scene in the movie. But I think it's the one that comes closest to working. I think by its own relative merits. I don't know. I don't know what they reshot. They certainly added stuff in. I don't know. But anyway, so here it is. Can I put here it is? And it's going to make a lot of money. Yes. Well, it already last night did twenty million dollars. At the time we're recording this, it's looking to make uh, about one hundred forty million dollars opening weekend. By the time this episode drops, you'll know how much it made, and we'll be crying. Um. I'd like to point out a few more things to contextualize because I think this movie is a weird case. One is that Suicide Squad, because I hear a lot of people going like, well, I don't know. I haven't read the comics. Like, what's Suicide Squad like in the comics? Suicide Squad was never a big title. No, but it, it got revamped recently, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. created in the 70s. It was always just sort of a great idea, which was make a dirty dozen with bad guys. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Thunderbolts in Marvel. Yes. Yeah. But it was, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it had, like, short runs. It was always kind of a cult property. They revived it. Revived, revived it. it. They revived it. Oh, is, I'm, it I'm ca- my is Captain uh, Boomerang I, here? I, I, I almost called him Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> Captain Kangaroo Garan? Um, they, uh, they revived it recently, and in the, in the new version, which now featured Harley Quinn, uh, was, was very popular. Um, this, uh, I mean, movie, A, the lineup in this film is not reflective of any lineup that's ever existed in any version of the comics. Is that true? I, I That's don't know. true. They're now doing a new sure. Suicide Squad run with this exact team. Right. But a right. lot of these characters have never been part of the Suicide Squad. They certainly not have been part, uh, have not been part of the Suicide Squad at the same time. But they this, have existed as villains. Yeah, in DC. In they're DC, various yes. comic okay. book yeah, I just wanted yeah. to clarify yes. that. Um, and this movie does not in any way loosely or, you know, uh, uh, tightly... Uh, adapt any specific storyline from the comic books. Okay. Fair enough. You know, e- even more so than most comic movies we're getting now where it's like, you know, Civil War is like 25% based on the Civil War miniseries, but really and it's they, own thing. And they threw some other stuff in Right. There. This yeah. movie doesn't even have a starting point of what it's riffing off of. Well, I think no. you just came in with this idea, and, and this is the big thing. DC, the DC Universe films are so much trying to define themselves in opposition to what Marvel's doing. I guess so, yeah. They, it, they're it, succeeding in yes. that they're defining themselves as bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is the, the kind of the problem. And and let's make it clear. Like, okay, so David, you and I both are, are Marvel guys. I'm more, when I was a kid, read a lot of Marvel comics, didn't read as many DC Those are comics. the characters we care more about. That's fair. With the current, you know, spat of Marvel films, I think you and I are both kind of mixed on them. I mean, some of them we love. Some of them we don't care for at all. Yeah. I have a lot of problems with what they're doing to the film industry at large. Agreed. As seen in this film and the interconnected yes. universal monsters, you know, like cinematic universe and all this shit. All these Marvel universes. And I think the Marvel movies Get ready are- for the Lego Ninjago movie! Yeah, right? Uh, I think uh, the Marvel movies are also getting to a point where they're starting to collapse under their own weight. I think the universe is becoming a little too big. I mean, the thing about it is, I didn't particularly like Captain America Civil War. We both saw it and enjoyed it while we were watching it, and I've disliked it more the more I think about more it. The more I think about it, I didn't particularly like it when I saw it. Well, we, we watched uh, it, we were both like fine with we it. We were I fine with like, it. Yeah. There were elements, obviously, that I enjoyed, yeah. like Spider-Man and, you know, there's good stuff. There's good stuff in it, yeah. And yet, 
I didn't really like it, and yet I got to admit, certainly one of the better blockbusters of the season. You know, certainly one Probably of the, the more, best I've seen this summer by default. I, I mean, I don't, oh, I would put it way behind two movies. Which are your two? Ghostbusters and and Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I haven't seen Star Trek Beyond yet. Uh, I'm seeing it tomorrow. Those are the as two I actually liked a lot. When yeah, I saw I'd it. say Ghostbusters. Oh, I liked Neighbors too. That's kind of that doesn't. Yeah, quite you're right. I probably put Ghostbusters and then Civil War. Um, sure. Yeah. And Ghostbusters is even still a movie I have a lot of grievances with. Interesting. I have like no. I, I think I'm like at the highest possible. I thought that was like great. I, I liked it. it a lot. I mean, I just think the the one thing that no one's really talked about with Ghostbusters is that the Ghostbusters are women, which I don't. <laughs> that was a problem. That was yeah, a problem. You know. I the whole because time usually I was like, they're men. But isn't that weird that no one's talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, in all seriousness. Oh, speaking of penises. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> can we do a little penis report? Louis got it. Okay. Like so just just some setup. Yeah. People know where I, there are people in my life who know that I'm talking about Cameron Crow movies right now. There are people in your life who know that you talk about we uh, forced by talk me. Talk about dicks. No, about, I, I talk about dicks on my I own. usually initiate the on conversation the and then you go along with it. Yes, in the podcast. I like to talk about dicks just fine. Yeah. and uh, Especially so those, leading men showing their dicks because we say, you know, all women sex. have to show nudity. All actresses end up doing nude scenes at some point or another. Very, very few exceptions. But men aren't showing those wings. Our male movie stars aren't showing those wings. Orlando Bloom. Oh, I haven't seen this. Oh, oh, Ben. Ben. I'm going to have to load it. Ben, Ben. So Orlando Bloom is currently dating Katy Perry. They're on some romantic getaway in the tropics together. He, he uh, was uh, caught... On the beach with a, a fully clothed Katy Perry. Sure. No, uh, no, no. She's like in a swimsuit. Well, a bikini. <laughs> I don't know. Fully clothed. That's, I mean, that's, that's as dressed up as women get, right? As a bikini? Mm-hmm. Sure. Great. Terrible. Awful. The worst. Yeah, I don't Murder really me. know what the... Um, so first there were these pictures that uh, of, of Orlando Bloom in the nude. Uh-huh. With a, with, with a black box over his uh, genitals. And who knows if the black box is indicative. We can't tell what, how big well, it also is. Also, maybe his penis is a, is a black square. We don't we know. We don't know. Could we haven't be. seen it before. But then it turned out that it wasn't, that it, he has a pretty like regular male like organ, okay. sexual organ. Now, let's say this. The thing we're stumping for on this podcast regularly is, see that is dicks in movies. Yeah, no, we like dicks in movies. We no. want m- movies to show dicks. But I don't love the idea of a paparazzi sneaking up on the beach, getting a picture no, of a wang and exposing it to everybody. I, I think he's being very deliberate. I kind of do, too. For one, I mean, he's literally just, like, walking around. He's, like, tugging on it. You know, he's, <laughs> he, I, he's in, like, four locations. And when we say he was paddleboarding, he was using that as the oar. It's important to mention. <laughs> but I just want to I want to get on a soapbox a little bit, too, because I'm tired of pretty penises yes. all the time. What about crooked dicks? What about well, chose? Well, ben, you're not going to be happy with this dick. It's, it's I'll quite say that. an attractive This is, uh, this well, is a pretty penis. That's the problem with dead. Hollywood. You're really right? seeing an erect. Well, actually, he looks know, he looks like a semi flats. Yeah. Ooh, it's a nice, nice. That's big the dick. thing. It feels anyway. like he was kind of batting it around a little bit so that it was at like fifteen percent. Oh, I get it. Though. Yeah, I think totally he was it. trying a partial sauce. I've heard this batted around on the internet that he knew that there were paps around. Yeah. you know, taking pictures of his of his lady. His Katie career Perry. is not at its peak right now. He's you know getting some press. Yeah, he doesn't have any. What what does he even do? Is he in movies? Rubs his dick and the- well, so so I've seen this yeah. theory around that he was like, you know what, I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna whip it out, and then like they'll leave her alone, and they'll just be taking pictures of me. Oh, that's interesting. Now and that also, might be. I'll get some some nice publicity. Well, that's the other thing. You know, he might be thinking like, you know what, I got a nice looking dick. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. It's pretty inarguable at this point. You know, it is a very nice looking dick. Anyway, so we're talking I mean, size, we're talking form, we're so talking angles. The reason is he manscaping? 
Yeah, no, it's pretty trim. It's pretty trim. Nice. So now the thing is, we already have recorded the Elizabethtown episode as we previously. This is mentioned. coming right in between Denim Invasion and Elizabethtown. Here we go. Here so we it's, go. it's coming here in between go. the two Orlando Bloom, Cameron Crowe. There we okay, go. Okay, Ben is currently looking at the penis. There's one, and he's nodding. He's nodding solemnly. He's it's got a, a sly smirk coming across his face. But We've he got looks, two images out of many. Okay, shaking his head, but it looks like he respects the dick. I, I'm going to say uh, the coloring of it is surprising. Well, it's no. If you see now, you come see the thing. Yeah, it's okay. the, it's just his shadow is making it look darker than okay. it is. If you see, yeah. it's actually just a regular. Yeah. That's a good looking dick. <laughs> white man's dick. I'm not gonna lie. We should mention it is a white man's dick because we didn't know much like we didn't know whether or not his penis was a black box until now. We didn't know if his dick was Japanese. Who knows? If it was Haitian, but he does in fact have he a also has dick. a very lame looking circular sort of sort of tattoo on right above like. Uh, sort of right next to his treasure trail there. Yeah, not doing his dick any favors. No. No. You want clean lines leading to the dick. Also- Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's weird. You want clean lines drawing your attention, your eyes to the dick. So, anyway, I think that's enough, but I think that was a good little uh, digression on Orlando Bloom's penis. It has nothing to do with Suicide Squad. The penis report. It's an interesting question, because, you know, obviously, like, people get very worked up about, like, Stolen pictures of celebrities, of and all, you know, I don't know. It's a weird line. Like, can we all just like go have fun looking at his dick? I think we can. I think the weirder thing, this manipulation, uh, where celebrities and their publicists are like making up stuff, yeah, like so that then gossip places pick it up, and yeah, like if that is something that he did like purposely, I mean, I'm I'm sure you guys are joking, but. Like even they throw really around. It could. No, no, I think I'm not really joking. I, I think anything. it's entirely within the realm of possibility. Like the Taylor Swift, Kim Kardashian thing is just a farce, and like it's just for sure. like like it's press and publicity. Well, look, at, at it's one so element, weird. it's a farce. Either like she was lying before for publicity, or right. this feud now is for publicity. And the amount of you know, I'm not going to say anything on mic, but the amount of couples that I have, you know, as someone on the very very far out peripheries of like the entertainment industry. The amount of uh, relationships I've had confirmed to me were just publicity stuff. Just made up. Yeah. yeah, just like very like, you know, uh, well Tom covered. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Ronald well, Reagan, years. Nancy Reagan. <laughs> they just did it for the headlines. All these bullshit Hollywood relationships, you know? Yes. Good looking dick, though. Good nice looking dick. dick. Okay. All right, Suicide <laughs> Squad. So the film begins with... Amanda Waller. No, it doesn't. The film begins with Deadshot in prison. This is important because they introduce Deadshot three times in a row. They introduce Deadshot like eight times. And they give him a flashback near the beginning. And then they give him another one like in the middle of the movie. Okay, this is what I'm getting to, okay? So the very opening Uh, of the film is Deadshot in a prison cell. Yeah, punching a bag. Right. And I believe he's talking to Ike Barinholtz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great Ike Barinholtz, who I think is actually good in this movie. He, he's fine. He's he gives fine. some personality, which a lot of the other actors, you know, are not able to do within the yeah, confines of this film. He gives some personality, film. and then his character literally disappears. disappears. Yeah, disappears after being ominously after being told, like you're in trouble. What? Like I know, I know. I'm like, oh, there's going to be some like Joker torture scene with uh with like Baronholtz. No. Well, you have the scene where he's rubbing his head, and then they just cut out of there. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it doesn't happen. Nothing happened. Okay, Ike Barinholtz and him are talking, and Will Smith is like, well, I swear to God, when I get out of there, I'm going to like fucking shoot you. Right, and he's like, prove you. it. It's like an intimidation scene. And he's trying to get him to freak out, and then they show him being pulled out of the jail cell and like beaten by the guys, right? Right. Then we cut to, and what song is playing? 
I don't remember all these fucking music cues, but it's every every new character introduction comes with like a obnoxious needle drop. You know, I mean, this is probably so. I I rarely take that. notes during movies. Oh, you took some notes. I of one thing. I wanted to keep a tally of the number of pop songs used in the film. There's so many. There are 18 used in the film. And like, let's not talk. Not that's not even talking about. The soundtrack for the film, which includes a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody by Panic at the Disco. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. I am not kidding you. There are 18, like, needle drops yes. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. like the budget uh, for uh, music rights. Because they're all crazy. big songs. Yeah, no. Of those 18 drops. Every single one of them is the song Happy Birthday. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Uh, of those 18 drops, uh, 10 of them are in the first 30 minutes right, of the right, movie. Right, right. Which means you're essentially getting a song every three minutes. And it's... And like, it's, one song will play out in its entirety. And cut off. Yes. No, no, some of them cut off, like, and it's There'll like... There'll be 30 seconds Harley of silence, Quinn. and then they start another you song. You don't own me. You okay, know, that's like, the second scene we get, is Harley Quinn in the cell, and they're talking to her, and they're like, man, you're pretty, but you're all kinds of fucking crazy inside. Right, we get it. It's right. crazy. Okay, then we cut to Amanda Waller. Yeah. And what feels like it was supposed to be the beginning of the movie... Maybe... I don't know. My, or maybe it's going to be 25 minutes in in one cut. Like, I don't know. You my know. read is they put the Harley Quinn and Deadshot scenes in before the Amanda Waller stuff because they were like, the audience is here to see Will Smith and Harley right. Quinn. They, 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 the movie definitely buys into those two characters as the stars of the movie. Right. Let's give it to them as and quickly it, as possible. It, I would say, like, the movie had a dollar. Yes. Right? And it spent 45 cents on each of them. Tosses, like, five cents to Viola Davis, like, a couple cents to Rick Flagg. And then it tries to split the last cent between all the other characters. It's like, uh oh, we've only got one cent left. Like, ah, let's smash it into pieces. You posted online that the movie reminds you of Mulaney's joke about Mulaney the birthday joke, sign, yes. which we've referenced before in this podcast because yeah. it's such a good metaphor. It's such a but good yeah. joke uh, of trying to write a happy birthday sign and being a big ass H, yeah. a big ass A. Oh no, like you know. <laughs> and then you do the P where one P is under the first P. Yeah. And then you're like, you go to the second line and you're like, ah, don't worry, man, it'll be fine. I haven't learned anything on big ass B. <laughs> uh, it's such a good joke. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> that joke is better than Suicide Squad. No question. I would it's watch a better that movie. joke end to end. Yeah. Like to, stretched out to the Suicide Squad length more than I'd like to watch Suicide Squad again. So the first 30 minutes of this film just feel like a montage. They feel like a trailer. Yeah. It's just jumping from one thing to another, a lot of quick cut assemblages of different things. So it's this Lady Amanda Waller played by Viola Davis. In, in the film's best performance. I guess so. I think I think I, she, I wouldn't say so. I said to Ben the second movie ended, I think she's actually good in this movie. I don't agree. But I, I mean, think she's actually I think she's good fine. in this film. I think she's ben holding also her own. Was surprised that I was that effusive. I would say Will Smith is easily the best performance in the film. He's just such a movie star. I just think I Yeah, man. I think uh He's kind of on autopilot, and I don't say that in a negative way because it's just like he so he's, naturally can do these things. Not that he's not trying, but that it's like okay. it's safe zones for him. Yeah, I thought Harley Quinn. I don't know the actress's Margot name. Robbie. Margot, Margot Robbie. Robbie. I thought she was great. I thought she was okay. I was fairly disappointed by her performance because I'm a big fan of hers. I like her. I've liked. Uh, of course, she and Will Smith were together in the film Focus, which she's excellent in. Yeah, which is a fun little romp. Yeah, it's like a movie that's really elevated by two insane megawatt movie star performances. Sure. In it's an okay, in film. an okay right. little caper. It's right, like an okay right, little right. caper, but you have two movie stars. You have one guy who we've known as a movie star for twenty years, and a new, you know, like exciting player on the scene holding her own against Will Smith. 
And also, like, maybe the only, like, major Hollywood film to have an interracial romance that isn't the plot point. Sure. And that is that sexualized. What about Bringing Down the House? Just joking. I just wanted to bring bring, bring up that movie again. I wanted to bring down that movie again. Yeah, bring it down. Yeah. You brought down this house. Yeah. In shame. Great. Um, this is a very, uh, as Will Smith called it on the on the red carpet, a rainbow cast in Suicide Squad. In which everyone plays into yes. the worst stereotypes possible. Yes, indeed. Yep. Uh, but anyway. Oh, no, but I was just going to say, I went into uh, this film thinking, <clears throat> I don't think I'm going to like it, but I can't see... Uh, Margot Robbie not working as Harley Quinn. She's a great movie star. It's really smart casting. Mm. There's a lot of excitement about that character. They clearly put a lot of attention into it. And I put a little bit of the blame on her. Not blame, but I was a little underwhelmed by performance. A lot of it is I just think this movie mishandles the character so greatly. Yeah, And not just in terms of like fidelity to the source material, but in terms of functioning as a character on its own in this movie. Yeah, that's all totally fair. I think she's fine. She's got some presence. I Yeah. Will Smith is bad in this movie. Will an amazing good. movie star. Viola Davis, I think, actually does a good job. I, I don't agree. I think Viola Davis is folding her arms. You know, she's fine. Oh boy, can she fold? She them folds now. her arms. She's one great. of the best folds. I in would the biz. say she's given roughly twenty to thirty better performances. <laughs> I'd agree, films. but that's I think more a testament to how many good performances she's given. I I think this is on the low end of her. I think she's she can make really great stuff out of bad material, such as yeah. the film Doubt. She's very good in that. Uh, such as the film The Help. Yes, sure, great, yeah. great. Poop Pie the movie, yes. right? <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, Poop Pie the picture. I would say in this, she is very like flinty and hard edged, and folds her arms, uh-huh. and then she does more of that, and then she's in another scene, and her arms are folded, and she's real mean, and then she pops back in for a new scene where her arms are folded. And then she shoots 80 people or whatever for yeah. one second. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So no, the, let's go ahead and get ahead of ourselves. There's like 20 minutes of the film, 15 minutes or so, that's like Viola Davis at dinner eating the shit out of some steak. Very nice looking, uh, delicious steak. In a restaurant that I'm going to assume she owns. <laughs> I like the idea of her character on the side owning a fancy restaurant. Because no one else is in the restaurant. No one else is in it. There are like three scenes in this restaurant. The end credit scene happens at the same restaurant, it does. right? Yeah. It does. yeah. Um, she's she's really like c- ciphering that steak, so oh, to speak. Yeah. She's, and it's, she's Joey Pantsing that. It's steak. a handsome steak. It's too. a handsome Much steak. Much like cipher steak. Very well photographed. Looks delicious. She eats it well. Maybe most of my um, compliments for the, for the film. yes <laughs> for, for her performance eating, might yeah. be the steak eating is really exemplary. And I haven't seen such good staking since her boy Joey Pants. He put a pair of pants on it. No kidding. Me too. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, it's always funny. Always funny. So. Uh, it's now her sitting with David Harbour, the great David Harbour. Good actor. Wonderful character actor. And another uh, yeah, some, some Some military guys. They're government officials. And her opening line is, you know, like the world's changed since Superman's gone. And you see a dude selling dead Superman t-shirts outside. Sure. And it's like, okay, this movie's really in the wake of the last film. Right. When Superman died. It takes died, place weeks after the end of Batman versus Superman. And you all remember at the end of Batman versus Superman when Superman died and it hit us so hard emotionally because we all believe that Superman is actually truly dead. <laughs> Even though Henry Cavill is announced in the cast of the Justice League yeah, movie. Yeah, cuz I can make a fucking Justice League movie without Superman. Wait, <laughs> Superman isn't dead? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you were so moved when he died. When he died, did the uh did the rumble seats like did they like make you cry in some way? Did they like cut onions for they you? They stabbed so that- you in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> you, why didn't did you? you they guys, did. They should do some onion chopping. You we guys should have seen, seen this in, 4DX. in the rumble. That's what it's called, right? Forty. You're right. We should have seen it in the rumble. 
Uh, we should have it seen this. It would have been the Florida. constant smell yeah. of like gasoline, like or whatever. Yeah, or yeah. shit, like just <laughs> fucking diarrhea piped into the theater. <laughs> oh this movie my God. like feels like being in a room filled with diarrhea. Really? So she's or, no gunpowder. That would have been perfect oh, yeah. for a movie yeah. theater. Or like fucking use condoms because the Suicide Squad's so wicked. Yeah, or dead pigs. Yeah. The, okay. Okay. So, so Amanda Waller is in this <laughs> fucking restaurant. And she's like, the thing, I, I just have to point this out because this, this drives me insane. Point it out. She goes like, you know, you know, Superman's gone. We don't have someone to fight for us. Sure. We're lucky now that we live in a world with metahumans. The first big guy we got, Superman, happened to align with our politics. Sure. But what if the next guy doesn't? Right. And she's essentially saying we need to create yeah, a, a backup A deterrent. Yes. Right. Yeah. Something that is capable of combating someone as powerful as Superman if they decide to fight against us. Right. Excuse me. The last two movies were about how much the government hated Superman. Right. But then he sacrificed himself to stop the poop monster. But she says, like, we're lucky that his politics aligned with ours. The last two, the first movie ends with him taking a satellite out of the sky and being like, I don't fucking work for you. Right. I'll do what I want to do. Fuck you. And the second movie is people, like, vandalizing a statue. Yeah. No, I mean, it's true that I think in retrospect, she's like, you know what? Well, that's the thing. She should be like, you know what? We didn't handle Superman the best. That's exactly what she should say. Um, In but retrospect, we're going to handle it better guy. next time. You know how? I There's this prison. <laughs> and it's full of jerks. Put it in a hole and I threw away the hole, which is the dumbest line of dialogue I have ever heard. Bar There's none. so many lines like that that I threw away the hole. That's like yep. that's like the whole movie is those Put him in a hole and I threw away the hole. Um, so she's Who is like- she, fucking Jeremy the Nowhere Man from- Yellow submarine? Yeah. Able to pick up holes and put them in his pocket? Maybe she is. It's a fucking outcast blue meanie? What is this, uh, 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 Roadrunner and, uh, Wile E. Coyote? Thank you, Benjamin. You are welcome. Four trillion comedy points. (laughs) So, here's my problem. She's like, yeah, well, what if the next guy, we need to be able to deal with him. For example, what if he's vulnerable to boomerangs? I got just the guy, Captain Boomerang. What if he li- is in a swamp in Louisiana? Killer Crocs on the Kate. Like yeah. she comes up with the worst list of super villains that you could get to combat. Well, yeah, okay. an alien with like omnipotent powers. And the way the scene's constructed is for like 10, 15 minutes, we're just watching her in this restaurant dropping files in front of these people, and yeah. then you cut to a little a big flashy sort of like we get the title card and we get commercial the facts. for a hero. It's like uh, a trading know. card. You get a trading yeah. card with yeah. their stats, and then you get a little glimpse of what they do. It should have been a PowerPoint presentation. It should have been. Yeah, a PowerPoint. that's what those videos show. Were. Don't tell. Ben, Thank you. you like old fashioned technology though, and this you know a lot of folders, paper. I mean, I do. I'm an analog guy. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> which is why he is the man in charge of a digital podcasting <laughs> network. <laughs> <laughs> Where one of the podcasts is literally called UCB Digital. I would have loved to see her flick on a projector. Yeah. An overhead projector? Yeah. Ooh, with that yeah. kind of sound. Slides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. She'd be like, killer croc. He's a croc. So, but this is the thing. She's like, let me explain all of these guys to you. Deadshot. And then we get this long, you know, the second introduction to Deadshot now. Where it's like, oh, you know. The greatest assassin who ever lived. Oh, he kills only for money. You better pay him. He's got a daughter, though. She's nice. She knows that he's comes bad, in the he, like... third introduction. No, you see her. You see her in both the, the second and third introductions. I oh, think. does she call him on the phone? Yeah. And okay. But anyway, I mean, we don't have to do every. But then, yeah. Harley Quinn. Oh well, the deal with Harley Quinn, of course, is that she was made crazy by the Joker. Here's the Joker. You know, we get this very long sequence 
for each of them. Yeah. And then she's like, Captain Boomerang has a boomerang. Anyway. Uh, the first you know, time like, we're ever seeing Flash in costume in a movie is one second in a Captain Boomerang true, cutaway. Yeah. He has a boomerang and then the Flash caught him and there's the Flash catching him. He's a drunk Australian. He's crazy. Uh, and then you've got um, uh, Killer Croc. Well, you know, he's a guy who turned into a crocodile. And we're like, he, he did? <laughs> his, his power is essentially that he looks gross. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's a garbage pail kid. He doesn't seem to necessarily be stronger. Yeah, he's not even as big as I thought he was going to be. No. He's played by a very big actor. Yeah. And Adewale, but, but you know what I think part of the that, yeah. the effect is there? He's a very tall man. I think the makeup they put on him broadens him broadens so him much a little bit. Yeah, that yeah, it makes yeah. him look shorter and squatter. Sure. He doesn't look as tall. Yeah. Uh, then there's El Diablo. What's El Diablo's deal? <sighs> he has fire, makes fire. Anyway, uh, and then there's Enchantress, and we're like... Who the fuck's Enchantress? Well, this lady who found an Aztec god in a bottle in an excavation, and the Aztec god took her over. And you're like, why didn't we hear about the Aztec goddess first? That's a cool fucking story, She, she too. seems really like all you need. I don't know if you need the boomerang guy. He seems like a C-list, you know, like, just, just, get, let's work all our efforts Captain on Aztec Boomerang's goddess. Captain power is that he has two boomerangs. <laughs> one is a regular boomerang. Right. And one has, like, a camera on it. Right. <laughs> so he can look at things. And, and they, he's basically... Basically, just like Deadshot, he's just yeah. really good with the boomerang. And also, and I'm going to borrow this joke because I was just listening to Fighting in the War Room, another fun podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Patches said that his power is that he can just produce a beer. <laughs> 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 he can just like pop a beer out of nowhere for some reason. Yeah, um, he's but just it, like, oh, I've got a beer, don't I, mate? Uh, Enchantress is a witch who looks like Pigpen, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She's got this sort of sentient cloud of dirt that just sort of hovers around her. Yeah, she's. A DC character who I'm, in my knowledge of her, wears clothes. Correct. But this time she's not doing that. No, not at all. She's got a little bikini. She's going almost a a, a near Orlando Bloom performance here. (laughs) She's blooming She basically has black boxes floating in front of her. Can I tell you just very quickly my my thing about the Orlando Bloom penis? I know we got off the subject. Uh Uh-huh. The dick is great. I'm happy that I've seen it now. But, like, the fact that we got to see it, whether or not he constructed the the event and, you know, wanted it to be released for press or to deter people away from her or whatever it was. I get you. I wish it had been in a movie instead. And when I'm looking at his penis, which I'm now doing on an hourly basis, you know, I got to check in again and see if I still like it. It's the background on your phone. The first thought that comes into my head is, not like this. (laughs) That's an extreme callback, guys. Not like this. Not like this. APOC. A-poc. Lights. <laughs> hey, and let us Lights. know Let us know what dicks you want to see on the big screen, guys. Yeah, Hashtag, uh, I want to see that dick. Uh, d- uh, <laughs> I was going to say. Enchant. No, no, no. I was going to say hashtag dick flicks picks. Which dicks do you want to see in flicks? Make your picks. Pick dick. Pick flick dicks. Flick sticks. That's great. Netflix. Net, net dicks. Picks. Tricks. So all of that in a hashtag. Yeah. So that full sentence. Okay. So we get that setup. Yeah. It is oh, a yeah. little haphazard. But yes, Enchantress is the only one you need. Enchantress and like, seems a little more powerful than the rest of them. Enchantress is a 21-year-old doctor, right? <laughs> right. Who likes to Played go by spelunking. Cara Delevingne. How do you? Delevingne? Yeah, Cara Delevingne, who likes to go spelunking, and then every once in a while, uh, Viola Davis has her heart. No, this is the thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. In those cute little flashcards, yeah. it says, like, has an ancient brother called Incubus who is a thousand million years yeah. old and wants to kill everyone. And so you, and I remember, like, glimpsing this and being like, oh, that, huh. that seems like That's a, a lot problem. Of information. So they ask her, right, how yeah. do you control the, and she's like, oh, I got a heart. 
right here. Got a heart in a suitcase. In a suitcase. I poke it when I want to. Yeah, it's really uh, efficient measure of control. She like pokes it with a chopstick practically. Yeah, and then they're like, "That's all you do to control her," and she's like, "No, I did another thing. I teamed her up with a guy to be her security detail, who I knew would fall in love with her." That's like a terrible idea. What is that controlling? That That's adding more chaos. And also, Amanda, how can you know the mysteries of the human heart? I mean, these things are so unpredictable. So she teamed Enchantress up with Rick Flagg. The most charismatic and exciting member of the who Suicide Squad. a man yep. with guns and a flat-top haircut, played by Joel Kinnaman, who's yep. uh, is, uh, in the is military. Is a man. Yeah. Yeah, Joel Kinnaman is a man. He's He's very good with weapons, we're told. Because the team was really light on that, you know? Yeah. Not enough weapons training in the team. We got that guy whose superpower is best at guns. Yeah, shoots guns. And the dude whose power is... Boomerang. <laughs> shoots boomerangs. And we got Harley Quinn who weaponizes her sexuality. <laughs> and has a mallet? Yeah, she's got a mallet and a bat. She's got both. David, she's versatile. Yeah, wears something that's like below hot pants but above a thong. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like a wedged short. <laughs> I don't really know how to describe what she's wearing. I just kept on thinking, like watching the movie, I was like, there definitely was some PA who had to in between every take. Like, go, like wedge it back up into yes, her butt. Sorry, Margo. You know what I got to do, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they just have to pull, like mm-hmm. give her a wedgie. Yeah, no, no, for no sure. No question. Uh, I think our friend Chase Mitchell said that uh, he tweeted this something along the lines of uh, the Hispanic character in this film. El Diablo. Uh, is a gangbanger. Correct. Uh, with tattoos all over his face. And the Japanese character in this film, Katana, who we'll talk about in a second, uh-huh. is a samurai. And if there was a Canadian character in this film, he would be a bottle of maple syrup. <laughs> Can I add on That's to that? That's a really fucking good joke. It's a great joke. Well, he's yeah. very good at writing jokes, Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add on to Previous that case. that the uh, the Native American character in this film, Slipknot, is also uh, killed immediately, and his death is immediately like forgotten. So this is I knew much I like knew... we did. True, maybe that's the point. Maybe. No, probably not. I knew that uh, Adam Beach was in the film because I'd seen him on like the posters. He's on the posters, and and then when Amanda makes this presentation, oh, and by the way, she makes her formal presentation at the Pentagon. And we get a very useful title card saying the Pentagon, Washington, D.C. Correct. When the Pentagon comes on screen. I don't know if there's another title card in the movie. I just, that really made me laugh. There are a couple, because there was one that said, Midway City. Yeah, no, and there's one that said, like, Cresser Laboratories, uh, a division of Wayne Enterprises. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do. Which is just like, they just want to make it look like, see, we we know how to connect stuff. Interconnected. Yeah. Anyway, but she makes the formal presentation. But, uh, David, that that title card was helpful because, I mean, it looked like Washington, D.C., but there are so many buildings with five sides on them. (laughs) So many colossal five sided, like, perfect Polygon buildings? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, she makes the presentation. Mentions all the characters we just mentioned. Again. Adam Beach's head is among the heads. She does not mention him. They're Doesn't definitely, mention him. There definitely was shit cut out. No, of course. And then he shows up later, and Rick Flagg, basically off screen, is like, this is Slipknot, his powers, he can climb anything. No, they said his ropes can help him get away from any situation. And, and the- you're like, oh, who, what? And then he's like, then immediately something happens. He's like, I'm out of here. Like, tries to climb away, and then they blow up a little bomb in his neck, and he's dead. Yeah, so they, in the comics, his whole thing is that he's, like, created a better rope that's, like, indestructible, and he can use it to, like, climb out of situations. Good rope. In this movie, his his ability is pretty much that he's got 
Rope guns! Yeah, he's got a rope gun. Not even like a grappling gun, but he's just got like a gun that shoots rope, and he ropes from one place to another. He ropes from exactly one place to one other place before And that his second death. place is his death. He ropes to his death. <laughs> Slipknot! So they're controlling Enchantress by poking her heart with chopsticks. Everybody else is controlled by having a little thingy in their necks that could blow up if they, they disobey. They get the gang together. It's controlled by an app. Yes. Which seems... Uh, you know, a little, a little too easy to countervene. I don't know. Every character has an on-the-nose uh, pop song played during their flashback introduction, yes. and also a different on-the-nose pop song played during the recruitment of sure. like Rick Flag meeting everyone one by one. And Rick Flag, ooh, he doesn't like these weirdos. Despite he doesn't the fact- like the job he's been given, even yeah. though he's in love with an Aztec witch. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, ah, oh, these fucking freaks. Anyway, back to this ancient goddess of death who I share a bed with. Yeah, right. Her name is June Moon. Yeah, Dr. June Moon to Sorry. you. Yeah. The, the, the lady that Enchantress is inhabiting. So yeah. anyway, the film is about them trying to be ready to deal with a problem, right? Uh-huh. After they get the team together, they kind of get them all out of prison. Immediately, they cause a city-destroying problem. Correct. Because her method of controlling Enchantress, poking yes. heart, that goes wrong right away. What a surprise. Uh, immediately, Enchantress, they send her on some mission. She's like, actually, I don't want to do that. I want to take over the world. Bye. Leaves. Enchantress is never part of the team. She's doing solo missions before they assemble the team. And they're going like, once we assemble the team, she will be part of it. Right. And and you also think they lock up all these people, right? But June Moon's allowed. They lock the gates. They did lock the gates. On on all of our favorite characters in this picture. Right, right. Yes. But they're letting June Moon walk around in the world and be, like, part of, you know, society. But if she, during a dream, happens to say Enchantress. She just got a whisper, Enchantress. And then she loses all control, and that's how she gets her brother out. (laughs) And she doesn't like it, though. June Moon doesn't like it. June Moon hates it. She complains. She's like, oh, do I have to become Enchantress again? And I would like them to be like... Yeah, like, he wouldn't be around otherwise. Like, it's only because of Enchantress. Also, We don't why, need June Moon. Yeah, yeah. The rule, any time when you conjure something by saying it, is you say it three times. Yeah, you should have to say it a few I times. I wanted her to be like, Enchantress, Enchantress, Enchantress! Yeah. That'd be good. She also, like- Would have made it better. Every time she says it, it's well, They could have kinda... said something like, it's morphin' time, you know, yeah. and then proceeded to do it. Right. Like the Power Rangers. Um, Ooh, I would have liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Every time she says it, it feels kind of tossed off. Like, they don't choose the, like, tortured, like, oh, God, Enchantress, right. or her, like, Enchantress, yeah, no, it's like, more by like, the power of It's kind of like being like, hey, could you get me something off that high shelf? And she's like, oh, okay, Enchantress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb movie. So, so, so fucking Amanda this problem, creates the problem. She right. immediately creates the problem. Not even, there's no time to even have one successful mission. This problem immediately- or, or put them through training as no, a team right. to get to know each other, do some trust no, falls, meet, fucking they, anything. They meet on the job. She, They, like, bring them all to a camp. Scott Eastwood is introduced, and and not really introduced, and just does he? nothing for the entire film. Because I asked Richard, our past guest Richard Lawson, when we left the screen, I was like, oh, Scott Eastwood, who he's is like he? He's, like, ninth build in this film. And he, he's like, oh, he's the guy who, like, you know, died at the end, like, the military guy. And I was like, oh, that was a character I didn't realize. So, I, from what I've heard, he was originally cast to play Steve Trevor who is Wonder Woman's boyfriend. Okay. And the Wonder Woman film, which was being made after this, as they were locking down the script and prepping on that, you know, mm, in, the in the very early stages, yeah. well, that was the decision. Oh, sure. it was originally so, going to be set in the present? Okay. So now suddenly they couldn't use Steve Trevor because they've established him as being in the 30s or 40s. Sure. So now uh, they were like, well, we've already 
signed a contract well, they for gave Scott him Eastwood. a really good name, though. What's his name? Oh, you don't know his name? GQ Edwards? Yeah, they never say it. And he, like, has lines, but you all You know how people are called GQ yeah. all the time? Yeah. That's his name. Well, but to be fair, it's, you know, initials. His real name is Gentleman Quarterly. <laughs> His name's Gentleman Quarterly Edwards. That's a normal oh, name. Oh, boy. Um, he, like, has a ton of screen time, and I watched this movie, and I was like, he must have been on set every day for two sure. months. Yeah, in fatigues, he probably did all the nonsense, like, basic training David Ayer probably made him do. You and know? when I say that they introduce his character at this like point- Jared Leto probably sent him, like, a bag of shit or No <laughs> question. Yeah. Jared Leto definitely fingered his butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Leto, like, yeah. I don't know, With like, murdered his dog. Yeah, and right. was like, ah, I'm the Joker. Yeah, yeah. sexually harassed his uncle, you know? Uh, th- th- he, when I say they introduced him at this point in the film, I mean, literally, at this point in the film, he walks into the movie. But they never, like, say anything to him. Right. He's, he's just sort of a guy around, and he's ninth build. Is he really ninth build? I think. Okay. Well, he's up there. He's in the building. I know he gets his own card. He's billed above Katana. Who's he got is, a split is, card. Yeah, well, she is, it's her first movie, so that's probably why, but yes. Yeah. Also, I mean, well, well, What's the deal really with her sword? <laughs> okay. Oh, well, so they all get together. Yeah. They, yeah, well, yeah. So they bring them all to the base camp where you're like, now we're going to get some crazy cool training montage. And then immediately there's like a FaceTime on an iPad with Amanda Waller. And she's like, this is your first mission. you got to retrieve someone. Here's the location. I trust you. They get on the plane. That's, that's a Samsung device. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a Samsung device. Mm-hmm. They, they get on a plane, and then Rick Flagg's like, by the way, this is Katana. She, like, hops on the plane at the last She's second. my bodyguard. She's not a criminal. I know I say, hey, you weird supernatural freaks, but she's with me. This is her sword. It captures souls. When she slices through somebody, she gets the soul in her sword. What does she that mean? She could cut through all of you like blades of grass. Also, her husband died. He's in the sword. And then we get a very brief flashback. Where she's like, I will kill you, Japanese businessman. And the Japanese businessman is like, no, I don't deserve to die. She's like, yes, you do. You're a gangster. And he's like, well, maybe I am. I don't know. And then she kills him. And we're like, oh, who, who, what was that? Who was that? Who was, who was all this? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> With the husband's? I'm Did sorry, I hear something what? about a husband living in a sword? Yeah. DC does acknowledge that souls exist. Oh, God. That's why you like these movies. Yep. Because you believe in the soul? He's a big soul truther. Yep. I didn't I, is this a new Ben bit? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, people don't acknowledge this enough. The Soul Taker? I've mentioned that as his nickname every episode. Are you serious? <laughs> you only noticing this now? I always call him the Soul Taker. Absolutely not. He Ben believes strongly in the in the existence of souls because he wants to believe that he can collect them all. That's, That's right. That's why we call him the Soul Taker. Ben wants to have mm-hmm. all of humanity's souls within the palm catch, of his hand. You want to catch them all into a geode of sorts. Yeah, or a That's crystal. Right. Yeah. Have you ever wondered why Ben wears a baseball cap all the time? Because he's got a bunch of souls under there. Yeah, he, underneath his hat, he hides a crystal that captures the souls of many. <laughs> So, so that's Katana. <laughs> that Good and job the setting her up. And the hearts. He captures hearts. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a different thing that captures the hearts, if you know what I'm saying. It's that. Wait, wait, Ben, Ben. ben this, we're all ben, over the place. Ben, guys, guys. Please, Ben, please. What? It's a children's podcast. Come on. Oh, you're right. Is Excuse it? me. It's for families. Okay, so. <laughs> like, like Suicide Squad, which is PG 13. It's a family movie. I would like to say I support Mike Birbiglia. Mention him twice in a row or whatever. We're going to mention him in a future episode, yeah. I guess. His crusade about how Don't Think Twice Don't think twice is rated R for, like, 
I guess they smoke pot. I, I don't know. And they even say know. fuck like twice. Maybe. And, and this movie is rancid. <laughs> this movie is like wall to wall violence. Yeah. It contains yeah. the Joker like like laughing amid like a, a bed of knives. Yeah. And, he like builds like a Game of Thrones on the floor <laughs> and then lies in the middle of it like around him. Like it's art. <laughs> it's knives and guns. And We shit. haven't even talked about him. What, what do we fucking say about it? Uh, well known character, the Joker. Yeah, one of Been the done most famous characters of all time. Yeah, and here's the thing. The last time it was done, it was maybe the most iconic and beloved performance of the last 15 years. Definitely a big deal, yes. Uh, won the Oscar. The actor died before the film was released, which elevated it to an even more sort of mythic uh, a place. Quite sad. As if the performance itself wouldn't already become iconic. Now it's his final statement. Right. And it was uh, really... Such a radical reinterpretation of the character was so different than how it had been played before. Yeah. And they brought the scariness back into it, which had been a sort of dormant element because he had always been played as more theatrical and silly. And even the Mark Hamill character, which is creepy and unnerving, he's very like, oh, well, I'm the Joker. Yeah, no, he's you more, know? more old school. Yeah. yeah, there's that thing. Uh, Ledger put like a lot of, a lot of weird, uh, you mm-hmm. know, grimy sort of energy into it. And uh, it's generally a Madison character. And then now... Everyone just does fucking Ledger Joker. And in the comics, the comic version of the Joker is so influenced by the Ledger Joker. If not literally, it's that sort of vibe is what they want of, like, the scuzzball thing. You know, the dirty sort of, like... Because the Joker always used to kind of be natty and theatrical and No, part of his thing was that he was sort of, like, well-dressed and sort of apportioned. And then his sort of psychotic violence was sort of in conflict with that yes. presentation, kind of. I don't know. This interpretation of the Joker is essentially taking all the Ledger shit, including his voice, which is almost identical to Ledger's it's voice. It's similar, although it has no modulation. It's basically just He does one of one the four voices voice. Ledger does. Yeah. You and I were saying the other day, the thing that's interesting about Ledger's Joker is he sort of does this Pee Wee Herman thing where he's got like three or four voices that will cycle out at weird moments. You kind of don't know when it's like going to go from this into like this. Into this yeah. Right, whatever. Uh, we're combining Pee Wee and Joker. Uh, the poker, um, the uh, the pawoker. Um, th- th- he's doing the ledger voice, but then like aesthetically, the idea is to make him some sort of modern crime lord. Like he's sort of got a Scarface thing going on. I sort I, of uh, on Film Spotting, uh, a podcast I listen to and love a lot. Uh, they said today, uh, I thought it was pretty smart. Um, that it feels like it's Ledger Joker combined with uh Alien from Spring Break. Okay, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that sort of like weird sexuality and that grimy sort of style. I would say something. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's it's pretty a pretty good, good read. Right? Yeah. But I really, one, I mean, the big problem is obviously there's no time spent on the character. So we really have very little read on like what his deal is. I mean, he's got maybe one full scene in the movie, but all the scenes are kind of like cut off at some point. It yeah, mostly and happens very, like, in flashback montage. Flashback, they're these sort of choppily edited, sort of like overexposed, like kind of silly looking. There's this one scene that really sucks yeah. where Margot, I mean, Harley Quinn is dancing on a pole in his club. Oh. He's basically like an L.A. crime lord. Yes. I mean, like a mid-level crime lord in this movie. And and Common, And he's talking to Common, Common uh, yeah. a decent actor who's been in bigger projects and bigger roles than this one. And he's like 10th build in this, also has solo card billing. Um, and he's playing some guy, and the Joker With like a bull nose and ring. And this is after Viola Davis, Amanda Waller's been like, you know, don't you, you you don't mess with the Joker and you don't disrespect his lady or whatever. But the Joker, by the way, at this point in the film has had no presence in like a present tense kind of way. It's just people talking about the Joker and cutting to like montages of stuff. 
But the Joker is not part of the team. He's not part of the plot of this film at all. Right. He's kind of completely superfluous to what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, the only thing that matters is that he made Harley quit. Right, and that He's Harley like, is very devoted to him. But he, she was his psychiatrist, yes. and he drove her crazy, and he tortured her, and she jumped into a vat of chemicals to turn into a Joker lady. Nothing he does in this film has any real bearing on the events of the film. It just but, has bearing on Harley. It really weirded me out because, like, the idea is, like, he wants Common to have sex with Harley Quinn, yeah. I guess, and Common's not into it. And then we don't even really see what the, I guess he shot him, but we don't even see that. But I couldn't figure out if he shot him because Common wouldn't sleep with her, or if he shot him because he was trying to trick Common into sleeping with her so then he could have motivation. So I guess he's like playing a mind game. I just interpret it as like Common had some aside, like you're a lucky man, basically like establishing like you have a very attractive girlfriend. Yeah. And then the Joker is such a sick freak that he he didn't appreciate that and is going to fuck with her. I mean, they're. But but that to me seemed so boring. Yeah. As uh, the Joker is going to be like, oh, I like. Don't look at my girlfriend. Like, what kind of nonsense is that? That's He's supposed to be way weirder and more unpredictable than that. Like, well, that's the other element to talk about here, and we're not going to go into it too much because everyone's fucking talking about it. But Jared Leto's year-long campaign about how method he went for this movie, <laughs> right, right. you know, and sending everyone the shit and fingering their assholes with peanut butter, right. and and like all of that for a performance that like he's probably in the film for ten minutes on the nugget. Yeah, uh, it's mostly scene fragments, like not real scenes. So, like, you know, maybe that helped him flesh it out because he didn't have real scenes to play, so it made it feel like a consistent character. But the characterization is so, like, gimmicky, you know, and, like, ticky, and there's no there there. And, like, Ledger's Joker, part of the interesting thing was that he was kind of a mystery, that we couldn't oh, figure yeah. out where he was right. coming he's from. He's like a, we can't see inside him. Like, he's like a weird black box, but, there but was not a, yes. the black box over Orlando Bloom's dick. Yes, thank you. Uh, there was a weird inner consistency to his inconsistency as a character. It felt like sure. the guy was trying to keep everyone on his toes. Right. This Joker is very one note mm-hmm. and also very superficial yep. in how he's played. Um, sure. It's not a very good performance. It's not a terrible performance, but it's, so. it's violently fine. uninteresting. I mean, he's certainly going to be in more of these movies. So I think that's why he's in this film. They're setting him up so he'll pop up in something but else. That's what's so confounding about the way they're making these movies is it's like, so this is how you're setting up the Joker now. Right. In like such a piecemeal kind of way. And then the next movie you have to like factor in the responses to what Yeah, people, right. Like right. after you've- but before you, you just run with this? This is what you're going to run with? This? Like, it'd be weird to change it now, right, but can. also they haven't really done enough with him yet that there, anything's too locked in other than the surface elements. I like the tattoos. He had a cool tattoo on his forehead. That's a damage. You get it? Because he's crazy. <laughs> and then Harley had, like, cool kind of, like, uh, almost like uh, uh, yeah, stick, poking stick kind of tattoos on her legs. Yeah, I like that. He Those a, are cool. He had a mouth on his hand, and he would put his hand in front of his mouth, and it was like he had a different mouth. Yeah, you get it because the Joker smiles. I guess. Oh, I thought he liked the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Amanda Waller's. Ben has Ben stood up and held both fists in the air. <laughs> oh, my God. Good joke, great dick. Exactly. Good joke, great dick. Ten comedy points. If not more.
Hey, you want to give more? Give more. Remember, more. you owe Ben 10 million comedy points. <laughs> Wait, it's 10 million? That's our future <laughs> episode that people haven't listened to. Oh, yet. right. Okay, that we're bit. getting ahead of ourselves. That's a spoiler. <laughs> so, we're doing things DC Universe style. We're introducing characters and reason- bits in the wrong order. Oh, we should also mention spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Suicide Club. <laughs> Suicide Club? <laughs> oh, wait. Squat. Squat. Yeah, squat. So the reason I think we're now digressing into the Joker is after this team is set up and Enchantress does a bad thing and makes her brother Incubus show up, uh-huh. and we'll talk about Incubus in a second. I think Ben really wants to talk about Incubus. Yeah, Ben wants to talk about Incubus. <laughs> um, then the rest of the movie is them dealing with that. Yes. The next hour and a half. Well, the first mission they're sent on turns to be... Getting Amanda Waller from a skyscraper... And when they show up together, which we're not told, but then they show up together and we think they're showing up to like get Enchantress. Right. They walk into the room and she's there and she's like, what? And Rick Flag's like, they're going to be, I'm fine. They're going to be really pissed. And she's like, look, I had to stay late at work. Like, that's what it was. Yeah. And then she shoots everyone who she's working with. But like her. Dead. The explanation is essentially that they have to send them out to rescue her because she stayed too late at the office and now it's dangerous outside. I guess, and but then they're gonna have to go get uh, Enchantress, Enchantress who's gonna... like eight blocks that away. Are they supposed to just chaperone like Amanda Waller home? And but then they she also put her like, in an I Uber? can take care of myself. Yeah. Also, people kept keep getting into helicopters, and the helicopter will take off and be destroyed in some way or another, shot down, blown up by Including monsters. Joker's helicopter, which Joker tries to rescue Harley Quinn when they're on the rooftop. He said he's coming for her, and he broke out, and he's got his men and whatever, and he gets her in the helicopter, and she's dangling from a string, from a rope, and then uh, aren't we all dangling from a string in life? Yes. And uh, Amanda Waller's like, dead shot, take the shot, and his whole thing is he never misses, and he misses on purpose, and then they shoot the helicopter, and the helicopter crashes. Every time that a helicopter crashes, no yeah. one is injured. Okay, so all the other characters- Everyone walks out of the helicopter fine. Harley, because she's still dangling from the rope and has continued dangling on the rope for five minutes while the helicopter's moving and not climbing up at all, gets, like, falls off. Or does he push her off the helicopter? I don't know. I don't know. She gets off the helicopter before it blows up. So she just sees the helicopter crash and she thinks everyone dies. And once again, much like Superman's death, we go, boo-hoo-hoo, I'm not buying for one no, fucking second that he's dead because they're not going to introduce a new Joker and not have him meet Batman. Oh, yeah, Ben Affleck's also in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he plays Batman. He punches Harley in the face, he which does. is one of three moments in the film where a man punches a woman in the face and it's played as a joke. And one time they're like, I don't care if you're a lady, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and w- one time is one of Slipknot's two lines is when he's getting out of the van and the woman's saying stuff, he punches her on the face. He's got like an FBI, you know, special ops woman who's escorting him out of the van. And he punches her in the face and goes like, what? She had a mouth on her. It's and the true. movie's like, what else are you going to do? This movie also uses the words bitch, hoe, slut, and pussy a lot. Sure. A tremendous amount. Yeah, well, you know, they're, they're, bad, they're bad guys. Yes, they're all bad squad. Guys. Yes, all squad. Um, well, okay, so here's my biggest problem with the movie. They're not really bad guys. No, that's the other problem. They're not really that bad. We've never seen them be bad. Because we haven't seen them be bad. The worst things we've seen them do are- they kill people. Deadshot kills people. He does it for hire. We don't know if the people he's killing are good or bad, really. Sure. Like, he's, like, being hired by, like, mob people. So there's a good chance that everyone he's killing is a criminal. There's but, a flashback scene- No, he's scene. killing a witness. Okay. In one, in that, in his scene. He's Look, killing I'm government I'm not saying witness. anyone should be killed by Deadshot. I want to make it clear. My political stance is that Deadshot shouldn't kill anybody. Yeah, sure. But in a movie, and in a movie landscape, 
that fetishizes shooting people that much, yes. watching someone wantonly shoot a bunch of people weirdly doesn't feel that bad if it's removed from context. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I do. And also, they kill Batman kills like... Eight million people in Batman versus Superman. Yeah, thank he, you. He leaves like a wave, a wave of death in his wake. He's awful. Yeah, as a Superman. Yes. Yeah. Does he kill people? I don't know. More he kills in Man of Steel. Sod, yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. But you know, Captain Boomerang just like fucking like is a petty thief. Wait, was he in this movie? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's the guy who um has a boomerang. He had a boomerang. <laughs> Do you remember that guy with the boomerang? Nope. Uh, but all of them, like the, you, you don't really get a sense of like what they've really done. No, and they don't behave that horribly. No. They're, they're just kind of like they're all, jerks. They're like kind of jerks, but they're not even like the worst. Kind of funny. Yeah. Amanda Waller seems pretty bad. Yeah, she's the worst one in the film. No she's question. Pretty bad. I mean, I think that's David Ayer trying to be like, you know what, the government. Yeah, we're who all, are the we're real all, criminals? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think this is like the biggest issue with the movie. Okay. I think it's one issue with the I'm, movie. I'm going to tell you, I'm leading, using this as a lead-up into what I think is the biggest issue with the movie. Okay. And this is my suggestion, Griff's fix. This is how I would fix this movie. Okay. I know they only had six weeks to write the screenplay, but if you had brought me in and showed me the screenplay and said, how would you fix this? This is how I would restructure it with all the elements that are already in the movie, okay? The biggest problem with this film is that Will Smith plays Deadshot. Okay. Because Will Smith is one of our greatest living movie stars. Uh-huh. He is an effortlessly charismatic and compelling actor. And he's like the son. Like everything gets drawn into him, right? Deadshot is not the leader of the team. He's not the worst person on the team. He's not the character who has the most exciting backstory or anything. No. But the film has to make him the central focus because he's Will Smith. And you're not going to pay attention to anyone else. Sure. Like your eyes are naturally going to be drawn to Will Smith. Right. You need Will Smith or someone of Will Smith equivalency playing the Rick Flag character. For this movie to work in any sort of proper narrative That's way. It's a fine choice. The Rick Flag character needs to work. And the structure in which this film works, in my eyes, is if the movie is like the fucking Mighty Ducks. And it's like, here's the guy who's being kept, like being forced to babysit mm-hmm. a bunch of ragtag like kids that he hates. I don't agree with you. You don't agree with me? Not at all. Why not? There's, th- you can't make a Suicide Squad movie and then have Rick Flag be the best character. Rick Flag's boring. You make, Fuck Rick Flag. You make Rick Flag a the good lead character. I disagree. Put, not, not Joel no, Kinnaman. No, I'm no, saying no. make Will Smith Rick Flag. Rick Will Smith would never take that role. It's so boring. But make it better. The, no, the main character in Suicide Squad needs to be the normal person who is leading no. the squad. Can I tell you why I think this? No, that role should be played by a great character actor who can bring some funny charisma to it, not be the lead of the movie. No one cares about Rick Flagg. I disagree with you no strongly. No one's ever going to care. I disagree with you strongly. I think Rick Flagg needs to be the central character he because making it. him the central character allows the other characters to be actually bad. None of the Suicide Squad members can actually be that awful because they're, it's an ensemble film and they're all supposed to be sympathetic and relatable in some way or another. Uh-huh. So you make Rick Flagg the fucking main character. When I say Rick Flagg, Rick, Rick Flagg Flag. is an abstract concept. Rick Flagg. Not Rick Flagg as he exists in this movie. I'm saying hire someone like Will Smith, make Rick Flagg an interesting character, make it that he's a military guy who has a girlfriend who's possessed by a witch, and Viola Davis comes to him and says, I can fix her. If you do this job for me. And he goes, what is it? Yeah. And she goes, you got to be in charge of this team. And he's fucking Gordon Bombay. He's Emilio Estevez. He doesn't want to deal with it. He hates this them. This sounds like he an okay them. movie. Thank you. But I don't, I don't agree with you. Well, I don't think All you right, should have made a Suicide pick, Squad movie. But here, I think that's the no, version of the film that is the most movie. functional. No. 
here, here's what the movie should be about. It should be about the Joker, who should be the villain I agree. of the movie. It should be Rick Flagg leading a team to take down the Joker, because he has to be established as the big bad. It's like, okay, what, what force is bad enough that you need to bring in all the other bad guys to take him down? The Joker. If you're introducing him in a new universe, make it clear he's I, the top of the pyramid. No, I disagree with this. Too. I dis- no. We're disagreeing on everything. No, no, no. The movie- I'm all so right. right about all of this. You're not. I'm 100% <laughs> correct. You're not. The fix, number one fix, don't shoot this movie all at night. Number okay. two fix. I don't know. What the fuck were you Katana's doing? Katana's not in the movie. Katana <laughs> yeah, makes like, no there's sense. There's a lot of fixes. Right. Number three fix. Why is the villain like a glowing CGI man incubus? Like, but see, uh, you're uh, focusing you know. on like small no, no, no. details. I think the the very structure of the movie is wrong. That's, that, uh, that was my joke okay. that I was making. But no, I think your movie is... Uh, you've got the Joker. He's a he's out there. Yes. You've got this. You can still have this sort of Amanda Waller misled idea of like, oh, we can corral like the villains into a team, and that's gonna work. You have the Joker take over the team. Like you have Harley Quinn there. Like have him fuck up the team. Like I you think need that's third team. act twist. I think that's third act twist. Is once they get to the Joker, they realize that Amanda Waller's the real villain, and they team up with the Joker and Harley to take down Amanda Waller. Yeah, I don't know. Look, it's, I think Rick Flagg has to be the audience surrogate character. No, I think that Rick allows Flag the rest sucks. of them to be scoundrels. They're, you want them to be really bad. And you want to be a film about him realizing that everyone's a human being. I think, I don't even I think know. He, I don't even I know think if you think if need Rick, a Rick Flagg Flag isn't character. the audience surrogate character, then there's no reason for him to be in the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think you need Rick Flagg at all. Okay, but I think if Rick Flagg isn't in the movie, then someone like Deadshot needs to be the leader of the team, which makes him more heroic than he should be. I I don't have a problem with the the general idea they have, which is Amanda Waller is kind of a bad guy almost. Right. Deadshot is a villain in that he you know is an immoral man who murders for money. Yeah. But he's not. He's a murderer. Deranged. Takes credit cards. No, he's not crazy. And so if you put him on a team of deranged people, now I don't know why you're including like Captain Boomerang, these characters who have no like yeah characterization at all. But if you put him on a team of like genuinely deranged people, like your Killer Croc, your Enchantress, your uh, Harley Quinn, that's all you need. He can still be a bad guy who is also like at least sane, and that's your audience. Surrogate. I think I disagree. I don't think in a movie about villains who kill people, the audience is going to want to be the surrogate of the boring guy who bosses them around. That guy sucks. Well, it's then about my problem him is learning to accept. He's them. just a no, military guy. He's boring. But he doesn't have to it's be It's about the audience accepting the bad guy. Make him, make, give that's, him a but name. That's why he functions the audience circuit Listen. because he accepts the bad guys and we accept it through him. That sounds like fucking hand-holding shit nonsense. Yeah, if, like the Mighty Ducks. What if no. his super <laughs> name, super hero name is Red Flag because... He's a bad sign of what's to come? Yeah. I think Rick Flag. the movie starts with Rick Flag. his girlfriend gets captured by a witch, he's in love with her before she turns into a witch. God. <laughs> That's such a quick fix, right? Don't have Rick Flag. Don't have Enchantress be the villain. That's a mistake. She's not a villain. She's on the team. Uh-huh. Okay? He falls in love with her. He's a military guy. Bella Davis wants to assemble this team because the Joker's a threat. She goes to Rick Flag. She's like, I know about your situation with your girlfriend. I have the cure, but I need you to do something for me. What is it? Assemble this team. I fucking hate villains. I work for the military. I don't want to do it. You have to corral them, to learn them, you know, teach them into something good. Whole fucking main like thrust of the first act of the movie is training. They get all of them well, together. That would you have be the classic bond. three act structure. Certainly, is have a training right. 
And rather than doing all these fucking flashback things, you have have them another mission. But you have them get to actually know each other. Yeah. So they become a dysfunctional family rather than this movie where they're all just together suddenly. They're together for an hour and then El Diablo is saying shit like, I already lost one family. I'm not gonna lose this one. They're not your family. You don't know them. You know them for an hour. You don't like them. You've had no conversations. These are some guys that you were hanging out with on a helicopter. You guys mentioned how he lost his family, right? No, we haven't gotten. They to mention that, yet. that after he's had the flame out. Yeah, they mentioned that after he's had like three flame like outs has, and yeah. like a bunch of shit but, has happened but before he's turned into a fire skeleton. He does. He does turn into a fire skeleton. That was a great like scene, a, like an Inca or Aztec yeah. fire skeleton. Yes, but you see, he also writes the word "by" in flames. Uh, yeah, and he makes some dancing sexy ladies in flames. He's like the Bob Ross of fire. <laughs> he's the worst. Uh, I just think this movie is them getting to know each other. They're training them in a long-term way. And then fucking Enchantress, like, but no, Enchantress is part of the team. Right. Reluctantly. Uh He's with her. Yeah. Then they go to try to attack the Joker, and they realize the Joker and Harley Quinn are closer to them. And then Amanda Waller was really setting it up for some other fucking system. They were fall guys, whatever it was. What if they were teens? Well, that's just a different movie. Yeah, it's Teen Team Supreme. (laughs) (laughs) That's just but runaways. But if they're teens, yeah. you know, then it's like yeah, they should make a runaways movie. Or if they're babies, what if about you could, if you could do it right? It'd be baby great. Suicide yeah. Squad. Well, Suicide Squad babies would be great. It would be great. I mean, baby Harley Quinn, adorable. Suddenly <laughs> the pants make sense. Can I tell you a big complaint I have with Harley Quinn in this movie? I, I have so many complaints. I don't think she's crazy enough. Is that insane? I think she's just well, like a little kooky. But even within the structure of the team, Captain Boomerang is set up as being crazier. But like. He behaves. They, none in a of them do manner. anything. Well, that's my this point. This is the problem. They don't have any. We know she's crazy. Yeah. Because she says things that are in her head sometimes, I guess. It feels like she's doing a bit. It feels well, like that, she's but, fucking Jared Leto bragging about how crazy he went for the filming of the movie Suicide Squad. We don't see her be crazy because that would involve her, like, knifing someone. And that would be an issue. Why? Like, that's what the movie should fucking be. Why would that be an issue? What else? Then why make this movie if you don't do that? Why because, make a movie where Harley Quinn's part of Suicide Squad if you don't make her freak out? Well, but, like, what, Harley Quinn, who is not a character I've ever liked, and I, I like I her know, in the animated series. I, I, I'm not I, crazy about the modern never, sort of. Yeah, I'm certainly yeah. not. I've never been a big fan of her, but Harley Quinn is defined by the Joker. I, what does Harley Quinn even do on the animated? She's never fucking, quote unquote crazy, yeah. except for she's in love with the Joker, which is an objectively crazy she's thing to crazy. be. No, I think the idea is that she's as much of a loose cannon as the Joker, and not like she's like crazy, like she's Tasmanian Devil going like, oh, no, but she doesn't. But like at any moment, she could do anything. People with she impunity could. in you, the same way. You like, should feel right. that sense of danger of like, I don't know what she's going to do next. Right. Captain I mean, Boomerang's got a bit of that. You don't know if he's going to pull out a unicorn or a can of beer. You don't know. He's crazy. Captain Boomerang. Is the best character r- in the film. Runs away from the action in the film. Yes, which makes sense. He only has a boomerang. As do most characters. El Diablo like ducks out a couple times. El Diablo doesn't do anything for most of the movie. He's like, I don't do fire. There stuff are people anymore. shooting each other, and he's just standing there in the middle, looking at them and he, solemnly. He could be quite helpful. Yeah, and also they could shoot him. Like, sure. Either one. He, like he's not fighting, and no one's fighting him. Um, the villains in this movie, apart from Enchantress, are Blob people. Let, let's let Ben talk about Incubus. Yeah, they're people with black tar eyeball bodies. Yeah, they're they're blobs. They're blobs. Ben, do you want to talk about Incubus? Sure do. Well, all right. So we meet the brother, okay? He he uh he The brother of Enchantress. Right, he inhabits some rando, right? Some subway rando. We've all been on the subway and someone's tried to put an Aztec god inside of us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, right, you're thinking, okay, cool. Another witch, right? A warlock. Uh-huh. 
But what is he gonna look? What is he gonna look like? Is he gonna look similar to Enchantress? Enchantress, you know, a little lady, but she's got a lot of dust. Right. But then you get it. You get a sense of what you're working with. You got yourself an ancient god. Uh huh. Okay. And he happens to be big, very quite, big, quite big. I would put him around 15 feet. Yeah. Something and you're not like that. really sure what he's made of. You're not sure of what the people. They make the blobby people are made no, of. Looks, we don't even see them really being made until later. He looks, he's kind of fiery. Like he's like orange glowing. He like, he kind of looks like a, a, a knockoff gods of Egypt character. He's sort yeah. of like a, that sort of robo transformer. Yeah. But like also or, or, ancient yes. Egyptian. Yeah. Look, I was going to say know. a little like destroyer from Thor when he like lights up from the inside. But he's got a human face. I would say that the CGI is uh, goofy. Yeah, especially on Enchantress, because like at oh, some yeah, when point, she's she like hits her like ideal form, quote unquote, and stops being a pig pen, and then starts just being like a showgirl. Yeah, she, she starts being like, like a Vegas around. showgirl, and she's doing like the Britney like I'm a slave for you dance, yeah. but without the snake, and and her whole body appears to be CGI. Yeah, uh, and she's got the sort of Kate Blanchett in Lord of the Rings when she's getting really hyped up about yeah. the ring voice. That's yeah. sort of like, I am Enchantress. I am Cara Delevingne. <laughs> um, she's, she's, I would say that the audience chuckled mostly at her appearances. As, like, didn't take her very seriously, I think, as a threatening villain. Yeah, can I throw out another complaint I had about this movie? And, There's and about so Harley, many problems with this movie. Harley Quinn in particular. Mm. Uh, none of her jokes land in the film. Yeah, what's a, what's a Harley Quinn joke? There's the one where she's just like, kill them all? Ha, <laughs> just kidding. That's not what the voices in my head said. They said something else. Like, she has, like, a very long joke that's something like that. The right? audience we saw with laughed at a couple points, like, genuinely. A couple Will Smith jokes really landed. Not, like, jokes, but, like, he's got some good one-liners and some good line deliveries. Y'all jokers must be crazy. He says that a bunch of times, yeah. And some he, version of that. Yeah, and he says, welcome to Suicide Squad, and he punches an alien. Um, but, but there is, uh... He doesn't do that. Yeah. Uh, there's also the part where he puts on sunglasses and he says, you know what the difference between you and me is? I make this look squad. <laughs> he does say that. There's yeah. also that part where he says, squad, robot. I squad bot. I did not murder him! <laughs> That's what the robot says in I, robot. The pursuit of squattiness. Uh, he, um, yeah, anyway. Uh... The, the, I suicide no, like a butterfly, I squad like a bee. Yes. Thank you, Ben. Uh, there is no Harley Quinn joke. I remember getting a laugh from the audience in the theater last night. Ben's laughing really hard at his own joke. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, but, but right? I don't remember them laughing at anything. And the, the editing is so bad, the timing's so bad, they cut off all her jokes like prematurely. But also, like it doesn't work. They're badly written, and I don't think she... I, I watched this movie and feel her feeling uncomfortable. Mm. You know, because even the yeah. accent's a lot more consistent in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, her accent is—it's a little in and out in this. There's scenes where she sounds totally Australian, and Wolf of Wall Street, she's pretty immaculate she's while being accent. cartoonish. But she's immaculate. supposed to have Harley Quinn is supposed to have for whatever reason this sort of like Brooklyn gal accent. Yeah. You know, like ah, oh, pudding, like yeah. uh, Mr. J, Mr. J. Yeah. Uh, which is what's that? That voice actress who's great, uh, whoever plays her in the in the animated I series. Her name. I forget yeah. her name. Um, I'll, I'll look up her name. But bad. but there is a thing. I watched this performance, and it feels like uh, Margot Robbie could not find a strong enough Arlene handle. Arlene Sorkin. Arlene. Arlene Sorkin. Could not find a strong enough handle for the character, and so she's sort of throwing st- stuff at the wall. Will Smith is, like, such a, a veteran at this Will point. Smith. He can turn uh, straw into gold. Like, he yeah. can do it. 
He can make any character engaging to watch. I liked Will Smith in this Yes. Movie. Yeah, uh, but but I think Margot Robbie, while being a great movie star and a very good actress, isn't quite at the level that she can like put, as they say in the film, like twelve pounds of shit into a ten pound bag. Yeah, but you also, yeah, great great line in the film, by the yeah. way. And the bag is contains killer craft. You also feel bad because I she, feel really bad for her. Like you said, she doesn't get the moments you kind of want from her. Yeah, you know, she doesn't get some big quote unquote like hero you know a big villain moment but they give her the final moment where she takes down the villain only because they were like oh right we should probably let her do it because she's the character that the audience likes the most right yeah that the one they're most excited to see in the film right but it doesn't really make sense that she does that no it doesn't make a lot of sense um her character makes no sense she just wants to get back to the joker it's very difficult to make a movie like this work where the romance that she's so obsessed with happens all in flashbacks in like five minutes right and it's mostly the joke of being like I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to hurt you. And we haven't, like, properly really, like, established the Joker in the film, so Harley Quinn doesn't really make any sense without a sense of who he is. You know, unfortunately, that is a character that exists only in relation to the Joker. And I know people are going to throw out that, like, well, now in the comics they've made her more independent. She stands on her own. And it's like, yeah, but that's in the comics. The whole point is if you're reading an issue now, you know that's coming off of 20 years of past, like, you know each issue is subverting the history of what the characters have been. This movie feels like that to me a little bit where it's like, look at how we're flipping the script. But it's like, yeah, but we're not. This isn't issue 500. Like, this is the first issue of all of these characters in this movie. For the sake of this movie and these actors playing them, this is issue one. And you're flipping scripts that haven't been written yet. You are, and yeah. Which is why I think, make them the Mighty Ducks, just make them really bad, treat them like garbage pail kids, don't make them all have tragic backstories, and just make it like Rick Flagg has to be in charge of like a bunch of fucking crazy weirdos. Allow them to be crazy and weird. That's what we want to see. We want to see them be insane. I, 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 they, they should have done this. This should have been the ninth movie. Agreed, one hundred percent. After all of them have been in separate movies, or at least, at least enough of them had been. At Wouldn't least that? you'd had Deadshot in a movie. You'd had Harley Quinn in a movie. You'd had maybe Amanda. Wall- you know, you can introduce new characters. Would it not have been cool if, in like five DC movies, there were villains who, at the end of the film, were defeated but not killed, and then the ninth movie is all those villains together now. That would have been cool. And we're seeing it from the That'd other perspective. A, but wait, what if it was, um, who's the villain in, in Man of Steel? Oh, it's General Zod. Zod, Doomsday, Doomsday. Lex Luthor. <laughs> this is the problem. A lot of these villains can't really recur. I'm saying, in... That's why I'm saying, the, if starting now, yeah. if Flash had Captain Boomerang in it, whatever, you know, maybe not even as the main who's villain. Who's the villain in The Flash going to be? I don't. I have no idea. It's probably going to be some sort of version of Reverse Flash, Professor yeah. Zoom, or something like that, right? right? I have to imagine. Yeah, I don't think they've announced it yet. That movie is a little more encouraging to me because uh, I like, uh, I have no idea how to pronounce his name, but Rick Fam- Famiyuma. Uh, who made Dope. Yes. And uh, could be good. But they f- it's another movie where they fire the original director and I think they're in a bit of a time crunch and you wonder think, like, oh God, like, is this But I think this out? new director choice is a lot better than the original director no, choice who is it, someone who had never directed a movie before. It was... It was a perfectly good choice. Rick Fingman is like a really good stylist. And uh, and what's her name? Uh, uh, Chrissy Clemens is in who I really, really like. She's great. She's a great actor. Cyborg, though. Yeah, Ben's all about that cyborg. But I mean, aren't we? Cyborg isn't like till like 2020 or something, right? Like it's, it's going to be a while till we get uh, a cyborg movie. Yeah. How, I mean, how did he become a robot? We'll, we'll be well, well. Yeah. And that's that's how. We'll be well into <laughs> our, our second Trump term when Cyborg comes out. Now, now. None of that Trump talk. Seriously, though. Well, I mean, we would if he won, we I will. guess. 
Oh god. After after Suicide Squad makes 140 million, I have no faith in humanity. Hey man, Deadpool made 400 million bucks or whatever. Deadpool is a movie. It, what, we get Deadpool I mean, Deadpool is a movie that has characters and dialogue that implies a history and it tells a story and that story concludes itself. Like, like Suicide Squad feels like a two-hour trailer to me. Not just in the way that it's edited, but in the fact, like, the leaps it makes that it assumes that you're going to fill in. Mm-hmm. It uses the shorthand for everything. Yeah. I mean, like, you have no organic character development. You just have scenes where they go, like, oh, by the way, I never told you about this. I killed my entire family on a fire. Now I'm telling you this an hour and 45 minutes after we met, and then you go into the final battle knowing that. Like, they just throw shit at you. Yeah. Deadpool, and not a movie I love, functions as a movie. The quality of that movie we can argue I over. I think the movie is Deadpool... It's one of those things where I think it's a genuinely awful movie that barely functions, but certainly in comparison to this, yes, it has more of a story. Yes. Yes, although... There is a, there is a narrative to Deadpool. Yeah, although... It, you cannot like it, that narrative, and you can it argue the it's most, poorly like, labored, executed. awful flashback. I hate okay, but, anyway. but it is... There, there is a narrative. You see a dick in it. You see a dick in it. But Very the, brief. this is like the most like scattered flashback like structure. Oh, no, no. Like, it's, 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 but I mean, it's obviously, It is the most poorly structured film I've ever but, seen. But I mean, it just... It reeks of... Well, no, we saw Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, I like more than this. Yeah. Unquestionably has better moments. Batman no, vs. Superman I, I has like, better elements than I this like, does. I like Batman vs. Superman way more than this. Now, this is a question that I don't like Fantastic our, our Four blankies have been asked. That's insane. This is it's a question insane. our that's insane. This is a question <laughs> our blankies have been asking on Twitter, and there was a poll, a vote. Which movie did you hate watching more? Elizabethtown? Or Suicide Squad? Elizabethtown. Wow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's not even close. So that's a, a fascinating sneak preview for next week's episode. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, Not wow. even close. Uh, Elizabethtown I... lost me so hard so fast. Suicide Squad, very quickly I was like, oh, this, this is probably going to be a bad movie. The first, And then it yes. was. The first you know. 20 minutes of the film, I was like, this is bad. This is quite bad. But... It is bad in a different way than most movies are bad, sure. so I'm kind of giving them props. And then within 45 minutes, it just, like, completely collapses. And it was Ben and I were just looking at each other and sighing and just like, are you fucking kidding me? It's, like, not fun to watch. It's really gross. Like, it's just, like, a gross movie. It makes you feel, like, it's quite spiritually gross. It's like dirty. a fucking men's rights Yeah, yeah. we should say it's, it's quite sexist. There's yeah. these uh, extended weird sequences where, like, Enchantress shows the uh, characters there, like Hart's desire, and Harley Quinn's desire is to be married to Jared Leto. Well, a scene earlier, she goes, we're fucked up. Like, I keep on saying fuck, but they don't say fuck at all in this movie because it's PG-13. But she says, like, we're all weirdos. We're all broken people. Like, none of us are normal. Life isn't like a washing machine. There isn't just a normal setting. Like, accept it. And she's telling everyone just, like, accept that you're weird. Own your weirdness. And she goes, like, we all might be, uh, you know, uh, ugly on the inside, but we're beautiful on the outside. And then she turns to Killer Croc, and she goes, except for you, you're ugly on the outside. And he goes, no way, honey, I'm beautiful. And she goes, you're right, you are beautiful. Yeah, that's true. That's a whole thing that happens. What the fuck is that conversation? Are you kidding me? But then they have the whole... Enchantress makes them see what they want in their heart of hearts, and what she wants is literally her pushing the normal button on a washing machine, and that's Jared Leto out of makeup, and they have two babies. What does Croc really want? Two white babies. He wants BET. He wants to watch BET. Because the actor who, who plays him is black. Yeah. So that must be the uh, only good. channel he wants to watch. BET, the black channel. Hey, remember when, uh, like, two Such months a, ago? That, that joke, like, there wasn't even a snicker in the audience. It landed, like, with the, like, harshest thud. And then, like, I heard someone 
behind me just lean over and be like, what did he say? And like someone like, You can also barely understand what Croc is saying. It's, the whole it's hard to tell what he's saying. And the other person's like, BET. Like, like the other it, person could barely it repeat it. It does work, though, when they show him in a cell. Watching BET? Yeah. yeah. That was a nice climactic, uh, you know, I, I emotional like fulfillment. But yeah. it happens two minutes after the original <laughs> joke. Also, that actor playing Croc... It's not like a lot, like a delayed payoff. Like it's like we just heard him say he wanted, and then you just see he got it. Uh, <laughs> that actor playing Croc, whose name I can't even attempt to. Adewale Akinuye Bagje. Thank you very much. Uh, has been good in a great many things. He's Mr. Echo and Lost. Is he was on Oz for a zillion fucking years. Fucking phenomenal he, on those shows. He's a very good character actor. He's a obviously often called on to play villains because he's a, a big guy with a deep voice. His heavy duty in G.I. Joe, he, Rise he, of Cobra. He was Curse in uh, Thor The Dark World. Oh, right, World. he was. Yes. Uh, he's, you know, he's been around for a long time. Uh, this movie, he's just buried under makeup. The makeup is itself very, very good. Yeah, the makeup's good. But it feels like he's doing like an acting class exercise where it's like, and now play a snake. Right. And his movements are so exaggerated. And I always thought the thing that was kind of interesting about Killer Croc was that he was like, a dude who looked like a crocodile but otherwise kind of functioned like a guy. Right. Like, he's not literally a crocodile. Right. You know what I'm saying? And in this movie, he, like, does the most, like, exaggerated walk in the world. I mean, we were saying after the movie, like, when we were talking to the, the Black Man Can't Jump guys, like, got him props. Like, he did pick something, and he mm-hmm. stuck to it. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's a consistent characterization, but it just speaks to, like, the scattershot nature of this whole movie, which is not aligned with, like, no one element is aligned with any other element. Right. Um... This is the last thing I want to talk about because this episode's long. But I, I, I fucking this movie. But also the the El Diablo fantasy sequence. Have you? Are you going to mention that? Because I just want to say him with his kids again. No, that's the thing. We get this whole thing of like, yeah. oh, he's like a gangbanger, yeah, a Latino gangbanger with tattoos all over his face. Great. And then he burned his house down and killed right. his wife and kids in a fit of rage. Great. And he already had all the t- tattoos before he did it. Yeah, that's the thing where he's just like, hey, what's up? And it's like he's got like a skull face. He's like otherwise dressed like Brian Cranston in Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> like he's wearing like a polo tucked into like Dockers, but he's got the skull face. And um, and we see, and so I'm like, oh, great, a Latino villain. What a great representation, yeah. you know, of a not very often seen a Latino hero. I should yeah, Latino he's also, superhero. He's also a skeleton, but go on. Um. He had just turned into a fire skeleton. And then we, in his fantasy sequence, uh, much like Harley Quinn wants Joker to just be Jared Leto in his American Psycho costume. Yeah, right. right. Um, uh, is that his wife will come to him with a beer and kind of like oh, kneel right. by his, oh my his God. legs? Yes. Like, what the fuck? Oh my God, yes. Oh, and she's going to put the kids to bed and they're going to fuck. Boom. Um, what a great fantasy. So, so here's the thing I, <laughs> the, the last thing I think we need to talk about is sure. like, the entire culture around these DC movies and the backlash and everything, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, our friend, recent guest, uh, regular guest on the show, Richard Lawson. Yep. I just, I'm throwing this out as a microcosm of one incident, right? He posted a very bad review of the film. He did. Because his job is he is a film critic. He True. sees movies and he writes his opinions on those films. He's he, not the greatest. He's no, saying, you're our greatest, greatest film critic, Ben. Ben, yes, you Thank are you. our f- greatest film critic. Richard, who is our second greatest film critic, Richard <laughs> Lawson, right, posted his review of Suicide Squad, which was his job, and he was entitled to hold any opinion of that film he wanted. Uh, or was he? So or was he in the pocket of Rotten Tomatoes? Well, that's this fucking thing, which Rotten Tomatoes isn't a company that, like, hires those critics. They're just a site that aggregates things. True. And people think Rotten They're Tomatoes is biased. They're also partly owned by Warner Brothers. The company that made Suicide Squad. <laughs> if they were biased towards anyone, it would be Suicide Squad. Oh, boy. So this dude fucking tweets at Richard Lawson and goes, hey, 
thought you should see this. Some of the people are, are spreading it around the Reddit forums. And it was Richard Lawson's Twitter avatar with the word faggot written over it in big letters. Oh, God. I didn't even see this. When did yep. this happen? This happened the day the reviews broke. The embargo Ugh, broke. On Monday God. or Tuesday, whatever Fucking it was. Reddit, man. Right? And then a bunch of, like, emoji Tuesday. middle fingers. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Richard goes, wow, thank you. Uh, sure. Great. And he goes, there are a lot more that people are spreading around. Do you want to see more of them? Uh-huh. The guy's account name is like DC Movie News or something like that, right? Right. right. Um, and, I, and, and his real name is listed underneath. I'm not going to say it because I'm yeah. not an asshole, but right. it ties together into this thing, right? Uh, and Richard, uh, he goes, do you want to see more? He was like, LOL, a lot of them being spread around. Do you want to see more? And Richard responds, uh, yeah. There's nothing I love more than being called a faggot for writing a bad review of a movie. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, okay, cool, and then sends him four more pictures. Great. Thanks, guy. Now, the irony of this is that Richard's uh, uh, avatar is- uh, It's Neil Hamburger. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they just thought it was a picture of him. So it's Wait, like- Wait, is that- so They're literally- They're just facing take- a picture of Neil Hamburger. <laughs> yeah, there is a weird, like, <laughs> feedback loop to that where, like- <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, you know, Neil, what's, who's the guy, you know, I feel like he would- Greg oh, Turkington. Yeah, yeah, Greg would love that. Would, would almost appreciate this bizarre irony, yeah. A hundred percent. But I got into like, a, a, you know, I, I started attacking this guy on Twitter. Yeah, you, you sometimes will, uh, you'll roll your sleeves up and you'll, yeah, you'll they feed They call the me trolls. David Schwimmer because I feed the beast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I rolled up my sleeves and got in with, because this is my fucking friend. You know, this is- No, no, I understand. Like, I mean, that's also awful, awful and egregious. I didn't, and I, I didn't know I that was happening. have a pretty, I mean, like, I'm not- Stunned sure, to hear it was happening, sure. but but I take a pretty firm moral stance on these things where I'm not like, oh, I'm just gonna go back and like call these other people names. I just like try to talk to these people and go like, do you realize yeah, you're why interacting are you doing this? with right. a real human being who has feelings sure. that you're not just like yelling shit into the ether, yeah, and that this is like a slur, you know, that you're throwing out to a man. We understand, yeah, yes. right, right, okay. And he just kept on responding with like, well, he was asking for it, As, like literally he. He there was literally no- asked, like, sure, in his sarcastic terms. Is that and what I he was means? Like, Do you not understand sarcasm? Uh, anyway. And he was like, well, still, he didn't have to write that review. And I was like, he did because that's his uh, job. Yeah. His job is to review. And he goes, well, he didn't have to write the review and make it that bad. And he was like, because he didn't like the movie. Have you never not liked a movie before? Well, it's- he goes, well, I just think he's biased. And I said, look, if if he had loved the movie, would you think he was being paid out by Warner Brothers? Right. Because if he hates it, you think he's being paid out by Marvel. And I guarantee you, Marvel doesn't fucking care. Warner Brothers doesn't fucking care. No. If they're making money, they don't fucking care. They want us to like the movies. They uh, want ideally, the movies to get good reviews. But well, it's the, certainly and, not something they're... And the Marvel thing is they've constructed this kind of like pyramid scheme where like because there's enough general goodwill towards the movies that people will go see all of them because they like the last one. They want to see how the new characters introduced. They buy the merchandise and it makes them read more comics and all this sort of stuff. But the key to that is that they like the characters in the first place. And these DC movies are just rushing through all these characters and not letting us form connections with them and then expecting that we're just going to go on because it's the same ostensible format as these other things. But I'm getting to this fight with this guy and he was like, what's your problem? Why are you defending him so much? You know, get a life or whatever. Uh And then he was like, what is he, your boyfriend or something? And it's like, Mm -hmm. great. Okay, so now we're in the circular thing, this whole thing. Fuck you. He blocks me, of course, right? Uh-huh. Before I say anything mean to him. Right. I'm just trying to reason with him. And then this same guy, if I'm not mistaken, if the, I recognize the name, is the one who then started a change.org petition to, <laughs> to shut to down, shut Rotten, down Tomatoes Rotten Tomatoes because the bad reviews are hurting his feelings because he wants the movies to be good. Look, I mean, I'll admit, like, I went on Reddit yeah. uh, the day the reviews broke. Got to stare into the sun for Out a of a little bit. perverse yeah. fascination. I've never really poked around the DC movies forum or what I found it. 
And it was interesting because obviously, of course, there are the the truly harmful, nasty people. Right? Yeah. And then there's obviously this like a lot of people who are really invested in these movies being good. Yeah. And they're really sad that they, they know they're not, you know, like. Right. And it's just heartbreaking. Like. You can't be that invested. They care you can't, about you those. Can't, you got to. You got to be yeah. less invested. It's not going to be good for you. You're they, not going to feel good. They care about those characters, and they really want sure. the movies to be good. And, they, and, and hearing the and public you can see decide them the movies saying good. like, yeah. "Oh my god!" Like we really, I really thought this one was gonna, you know, work out. I thought Suicide Squad was gonna be a lot better. Like seeing the reviews break and just being like, "Ugh, this is terrible." Yeah. Some people saying things like, "Okay, well, let's not go after." Critics again. We gotten so much hot water last time over Batman versus Superman. Obviously, some people are ignoring such, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, a lot of them are freaking out because Devin Faraci gave it a, a positive review, which like blew their because tiny minds. It's like a paradigm king yeah. of them all. They think yeah. he's the king of Marvel bias trolls king. or Not whatever. Not biased yeah, because bias. they don't even know how to fucking conjugate bias. All this insanity. And that was. Our burger report. <laughs> God, uh, it's so just, just, just take it, take it easy, but guys, but, it's okay. But, but here's this it's element just a of movie. it to me, okay? Right, the Marvel characters we've gotten such deep bench characters portrayed in loving ways at this point. No one thought we'd get Black Panther, you know, in sure, like right, right. you know the biggest live action film of the year that lovingly introduced and played with respect. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. we have fucking Ryan Coogler making a Black Panther yeah, movie no, with like no, it's five of our best living actors it's in great. it. It's great, news. right? And and DC people are like, we still can't fucking get Wonder Woman working? Like, yeah, what? sure. I understand that frustration if those are the characters that you grew up really loving. I love Batman. I'm not that attached to that many other DC there's characters. There's been a lot. Yeah, no, yeah. Batman, sure. we've got enough interpretations of it. Yeah, but if you're a lot of Batman. If you're a fan of any other DC character, you're like kind of out of luck, you know? Right. I mean, Superman's been like hit and miss and the other ones have barely been covered. Right. But there's this thing that comes out now. I think of like the DC characters have always been a little more dry. Mm-hmm. You know, they've always been a little more mythical, whereas the Marvel characters were a little more psychologically relatable. Well, that was like, the relatable. whole revolution of Stan Lee, was like yeah. making the Marvel characters be more like real people rather yeah. than these sort of demigods. Sure. And look, pick your choice. I'm not going to argue which is a better approach or which isn't. But DC's approach to making these movies has been, we're going to make these movies the gritty, real, serious, adult-minded ones. Right. And that comes out of, like, I think the success of the Nolan Batman movies, which were... That's one character that actually can withhold that sort of psychological exploration. It was done in a patient, like, probing way. Sure. And they really dug in. It wasn't serious for the sake of being serious. And it was also that character had been done so many different times before that you could take a radical departure to that. But I watched something like Suicide Squad, and I get bummed out about the fact that it's like, in trying to prove that their characters are serious, they're making movies that no kid would enjoy. And I know we said this in our Batman versus Superman episode, but like putting aside whether or not it's appropriate, I just think these are like unpleasant movies for children. And the yeah. DC fans are like, well, the Marvel movies are fucking Disney. They're for babies. Sure, they're too cute. Yeah. Fine. If you think they're too cute, you want to be a little more grounded, that's fine. But I think the Marvel movies work for multiple age groups. And the DC movies are working for one like specific group, Young which is men. who are angry and feel like yes. they're being betrayed by the world. I right? mean, certainly, look, we spend a lot of time on the internet. We're exposed to the worst of people. Yeah. And and I'm sure there are normal, boring people out there who like the Suicide Look, Squad. we were in the theater last night with a bunch of guys wearing DC shirts, and all of them seemed like totally nice yeah, gentlemen. Sure, and I own yeah. fucking too many Batman shirts. Like, you know, I mean, I'm a terrible person, but that's, you that's are, aside. You are. You're quite right? bad. I'm, I'm quite awful. I would say you're quite bad. You're Rick Flag theory alone. But, but yeah. here's the crux of this thing for me, okay? Another time I fed the beast, you know. Oh, my God. Schwimmer came back. Schwimmer came back. Um... 
I when Batman vs Superman came out, and this guy was like rallying against all the critics like that. Yeah, you really I, shouldn't feed. I the shouldn't beast. feed the beast. You shouldn't. I shouldn't. Yeah, especially and once you should I'm stop on a retweeting show. Scientology. And once you're on a super, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, once I'm on a superhero show, I, I have to stop feeding the beast because it's the most hypocritical thing in the world if I so fucking weird. engage with all these people when I'm on a thing that they'll probably be angry about. Um, but hopefully not. August 19th. The, sure, tick. the Tick. Watch it on Amazon. August yes. 19th. Yeah. Um, I I went to this guy and I just said, hey, I, I'm just curious. Did you like Batman versus Superman? And he said, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. It's the best version of Batman we've gotten so far. He would fucking scare the shit out of little kids. Uh-huh. And I said, are you citing that as a positive thing? And he went, yeah. And I went, why is it a positive for you that Batman would scare children? And he said, this character is not meant for kids. These characters aren't meant for kids. They're grown-up characters. And the thing is, like, you know, all these characters in comic book history, there have been adult interpretations, and there have been kid interpretations, and there have been interpretations in the middle. These characters have existed for decades, and the whole point is they're open for reinterpretation. But the DC, both the fans and the creative forces behind these films, the thing that seems to be driving them is we're going to make the versions of the movies that don't make you feel like a baby for liking these characters. Because I, Marvel, I you. you can go like, uh, am I infantilizing myself a little bit by watching all these movies of people in spandex? And and the DC movies, it's like, no, because they're fucking badass. Yeah, they, they, they're trying too hard. They're trying too hard yes. to appease the insecurities of the worst fans of their properties. Right. We should just go make a movie for people who love these characters. And if it's sometimes they're grim and it's sometimes they're realistic and it's sometimes they're silly and it's sometimes they're I, broad. I, I get you. I just think the palette of like I, these films is so narrow and so disturbing and I think it feeds into a gross thing culturally. Listen, make America great again? Yes. Make our superheroes great again. Yep. Make our superheroes mean again. August 19th. <laughs> the tech. Cutting you off. Yeah, we got to stop. enough ranting. Okay. That's been Suicide Pod. That's uh, been Suicide Pod. Tune in oh, next week for ooh, episode ooh. two of Suicide Pod. What, Ben? I just want to say one quick thing. Please. Favorite part of the movie, actually, for me. Sure. Hands down. Yeah. Joker henchman, panda suit. Yeah. David, your favorite part? <laughs> We're all going to walk out after we say your favorite part. Ben <laughs> he, is walking out of the He took my favorite part. Really? That's your favorite part? No, too? no. It's uh, it's Killer Croc wiggling as he jumps into the... Or or it's the, uh, the uh, Joel Kinnaman eating a chicken wing. Well, that was pretty good. Did that get a laugh in your audience? It didn't. Ben and I laughed. No one else did. <laughs> no, it's Killer Croc wiggling as he as he dives into a sewer. Okay, do you want to take off your headphones and now walk out? Now that uh, you've given your favorite moment, I'll say what my favorite moment is. That's fine. Go ahead and do that. And as always, my favorite moment in Suicide Squad was that steak. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. Thank <laughs> you.